like like being so disciplined, being so switched on with things, um, I realise one of the weaknesses in my life is because um, working's not a problem, training's not a problem, eating's not a problem, all of that stuff's good. I'm like, oh, you don't actually invest in spending time with the dudes. And um, I'm like, okay, that's like something that you actually have to do. In this episode with Brendan McCormack, we went through UFC Perth, um, building a business, branding and fatherhood. Check it out. Brendan McCormack, welcome to the Blokes Lab. Thanks, gentlemen. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. It's been great. Um, Brendan, tell us a little bit about who Brendan McCormack is. Uh, who is Brendan McCormack? Um, so I guess most people would know me in Perth uh, as the founder of Perth Fit Fam, which kicked off in about 2017. I would say I've been in the fitness industry for about 20 years now, well, 20 years now, showing my age. And um, have, yeah, that's it, veteran of the industry um, and done a heap of stuff over the time. So I'd say I was probably a natural entrepreneur. Um, I grew up in Canberra, uh, which is a very public service based uh, city and that's where my uh, uh, that's what, what my family did all of them were all public servants so when I was in uh, school I was a horrendous student but a really good worker and I mm. used to wag all my classes I didn't like by year 11 and 12 so I could go to the gym so by the time I got into the fitness world I just loved it so much I obsessed over it and um, so we got towards the end of year 12 and by that stage I think I had 32 unexplained absences for the semester so not for the year just for the, that little gap it's good hit right yeah, yeah yeah it was good it was good because I used to leave go to the gym and go to the supplement store and so they were like hey you're not gonna have enough points for year 12 but yeah. if you do an extra we'll let you do an extra unit of work experience and I'm like and then you'll pass so I did it at the supplement store that I used to go wag and go to and I I crushed it and then got a full-time job and that's how I kicked off in the fitness industry. Beautiful. And um, that was probably the start of that journey. So one thing I think you've, that you do really well is, is personal branding mm-hmm. and, you've, and you've used that very well. So what have you done personally to build your own personal brand? And brands of businesses that you've started? Yeah, for sure. I think that that was almost by accident. So if I had a strength, I would say that networking would mm. be my strength, yeah. for sure. Um, if I had to write a book on networking, I couldn't do it because it's something which I realised was naturally ingrained in me. So we've spoken a little bit about off camera, uh, just about the experience that we we got to have. And Mm. I often find myself in these experiences that I don't even know how I got there. But it's not like my whole life has sort of been like that. So whatever I put myself in, I would always end up well ingrained into that world and connected or part of the leaders of it. Um, And I think that being able to build that network has had an on-flow effect, I guess, in my personal brand. Um, And and just having those networks of people and those connections, and it starts to sort of spiral from there. Um, If we're talking personal branding and then specifically we're talking social media, I think that was sort of like an accident as well. And I learned – like, I've evolved over the years. I'm definitely not the same person that I was, let's say, 10 years ago, Mm. for sure, um, or at least eight years ago when I was 30. So – when Instagram was started, you know, you know, Instagram was out and whatever, and I would have just been a normal user, just using it as a personal account. And I think the first way I actually started to get traction and blow up was because I had a selfie stick and a GoPro. Do you remember mm-hmm. that? Oh, yeah, we you won the OGs. Yeah. You <laughs> won those. You won. <laughs> yeah. Were you, did we live together when yeah, I did yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's actually really funny because I remember I was still in Queensland and, and 
you were already <laughs> becoming famous here because yeah. of your selfie stick. Yeah. And I actually knew you as the guy with the selfie stick. Yeah. That's <laughs> actually, that's true. Before so I even before I even moved from Queensland. And I it would have been around that yeah. time. And the reason how like that sort of became a thing, and this is how I started to build a bit of a model. I don't, I don't actually use this anymore, but it, it, it did go through my journey, is I was like, Oh, there's a humour behind this because it's something which is sort of like taboo or like a little bit stupid or looked down upon. And when you start doing it, you get a bit of a reaction and people go, ah, that's sort of funny. And then you keep on doing it and then people go, what's this dickhead doing? <laughs> like, you, Especially then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially because oh, yeah. that's a different day. People weren't walking around taking images of themselves. That was no. that was a different era where you had to, you, yeah. you like the concept of a content creator was... Nah. People wouldn't even know what the fuck that it was. It wasn't a thing. It wasn't yeah. that accessible. So mm. then I realised you had to go through this thing where people think <laughs> that you're an absolute idiot. But it's like a comedian when you see them plug into a joke or have an extra, extra long break and it becomes funnier the longer they just are there in dead silence and the crowd's cracking up. Once you pass that hump, it just becomes a thing and mm. people go mental for it. Mm. So I did it with selfie sticks and um, people would ask me to actually like come to an event and bring my selfie stick. And that's when I was like, oh, this is a little bit weird, but I could sort of see the pattern. So that was the first part of it. <laughs> and I sort of went through this evolution where I was like, all right, I don't want to be that selfie stick dude anymore. And um, budgie smugglers yeah. became the next thing. I remember. Uh, same I remember. concept. Yeah. It was taboo, uh, like really weird. People weren't wearing, like budgie smugglers was at, a, the company was at a very early stage at that point in time. And I just jumped on it and I'll start doing these budgie smugglers, get custom budgie smugglers made up and it became a thing. And then people mm. would connect me to that. And then even when Perth FitFam was launched, I used the same process. And the way that that brand worked well, um, there's a couple of things. Number one, um, it was named Perth, so for the city and FitFam. So if you're from Perth and you're from the city, then you're like, hey, this is for me. And then people would click on it. So the, the branding in the name worked really well, but I was very self-deprecating with the content and we made it humorous when we did it. And so that's where we kind of like interject that personal brand, but mm. I still use that same humour where I was self-deprecating on myself and I could have fun on myself, but it made videos uh, go viral back then as viral as what you could possibly mm, get. Now mm. now the game's different and you go viral on TikTok and you know what it's like. Mm. Like You've got had viral mm. videos, you go into the millions. So that was sort of the pr- approach that I went through. And the thing that we did speak about off camera before this is you evolve through that time and I'm definitely not the selfie stick person anymore and I've done stuff and I've built and sold businesses and... Um, I look back because for a long time in my life, I was, I always had the vision of myself as I was the young up and comer because I was well ambitious as a young kid. I I always had these like visions, these things that I wanted to do. And it wasn't until I was about 35, which is three years ago, where I just sort of stopped and went, oh, you're not the up and coming kid anymore. Like you're established and you're one of the veterans in the industry. Mm. And I help a lot of younger people that are coming up now. And I'm like, oh, the people that used to help you out that you looked up to who had done a lot of stuff in the industry and they would spend time having coffees with you um, and that time. And I still look at that now and I still appreciate those people now. Mm-hmm. And if we catch up, it's a very special moment. And I'm like, oh, you're you're at that stage in your life, like your career now where you're sewing into the next generation. And giving back, yeah. yeah. Always becoming the elder now and actually guiding the, the younger ones. Well, this is funny yeah. because, um, and I'm sure that this is a platform that we can speak about it, so um, I built and sold my shares in an app and then I uh, had a baby. So big changes in life. And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like I literally was at a point where I'm like, I don't know what my next movie is. I feel like I've 
almost ticked every box off and it was a weird weird sort of time for me. And um, I went and did an experience with Theo. Um, Can I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so we did like a psilocybin um, uh, session and it was just a chance for me to go through that sort of process and it was weird because whenever I whenever I use psychedelics or um, something, you know, I guess psychedelics, mushrooms, whatever, um, I, I feel very primal. Like it strips back yep. the brands, mm, it strips mm. back the buildings. The identities. The identities, everything. And I always mm, feel mm. like I, I go back to like a very basic human nature and I was trying to kind of discover, okay, where am I now at like this point in time? And it was this clear vision as like a tribe and everyone has these gifts. So if you do a session with Theo, you can feel it. The dude's a healer. Like that's that's his, that's your gift. I think. Yeah. yeah, you're like, oh, you've actually got a gift in this. And if you if we were a tribe, you would be a healer within the tribe. And I was just digesting my place. And I guess I have wisdom within the industry. Uh, not many people have the knowledge, and I guess the I guess the overview um, uh, and the experiences and. You know, people pay me t- for knowledge. Mm. Essentially, I'm like, oh, if we were looking at this as a tribe, you're like an elder in the industry. You have knowledge and experience and wisdom, which you're able to pass on to people or businesses. And that's when I realised, oh, okay, that's your gift in this space. Yep. Yeah. Where do you go for inspiration? Oh, that's good <laughs> off there. Not enough at the moment, actually. Um, the most recent one was Goggins, hey? Mm. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> one thing I realised is I used to read a lot and I used to consume a lot and I used to do a lot of courses. Now I probably consume too much UFC content. Yeah, yeah. For sure. And it's, that's, yeah. that's probably like my junk food. Yeah, yeah. You need a bit of junk food though. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you need your junk food, yeah. You can't be too yeah, on all the time with everything. Yeah, yeah. 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 E- even in life, right? Yeah. Um, so... Like like being so disciplined, being so switched on with things, um, I realise one of the weaknesses in my life is because um, working's not a problem, training's not a problem, eating's not a problem, all of that stuff's good. I'm like, oh, you don't actually invest in spending time with the dudes. And mm. um, I'm like, okay, that's like something that you actually have to do. 100%. Um, yeah. Which I think is super important. And whether that is, you know, going out for a drink or having lunch. Like, you know, we went to a really nice Greek restaurant. It was a very special thing because we don't often invest that time into that. So I think towards the end of last year, actually, no, it was the start of start of 2022. I was like, okay, you got to make more phone calls to your family. I don't live near them. Like, you got to have that important time with your family. You've got to spend more time, mm. like, with friends and have that time. Um, and that's definitely something that I'd invest in. So as far as inspiration... I don't consume social media for inspiration. If anything, it's a mess and I, I treat it like work. Um, I should, I mean, I think all of us listen to Joe Rogan. I think that's probably... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Elements, yeah. But that's almost like junk food in yeah, itself too. Yeah, yeah, You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. So that's probably a weakness in my life where I'm like, okay, I should be consuming more uh, healthy high quali- content. High quality. Yeah, yeah. Garbage and garbage yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And I think that plays off. Whereas if I've got Goggins and the new ebook playing, man, I just want to go run for four hours. And yeah. it did. Like, it actually had an impact on me. So, 100%. Yeah. yeah, I recommend people do that, and I should probably take my own advice. But <laughs> <laughs> well, we all do it. I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. the same. I take a lot of content in from podcasts to YouTube and all that sort of stuff. And my junk food is NBA highlights, the 10-minute highlights, 
and UFC, and UFC yeah. pay-per-views. Yeah, and I don't get – I've learned just to select, you know, which ones I do watch. But that's for me just to switch off. Yeah. You know, and that's just – but I still, you know, take my own sort of other stuff. Whereas if I find I go too much into audiobooks, uh, educational, too much – if it's too or dialed in yeah. – I find you just lose yourself in it sometimes. You need a bit of that almost 80-20. Yeah, 80% that yeah. real productive sort of content, 20% is just, yeah. you know, the, the garbage. But when you're over-consuming also at the same time, that doesn't mean that you're actually properly absorbing mm, mm. and integrating properly the information inside your mind. So, like, if you consume it without allowing some space and time to properly process what's getting in, you're not going to be able even to remember not even half of, of course. what you're, you're really consuming. Yeah, I think like someone said it years ago and it stuck. And I think you have seasons in life where um, well, the actual line is um, there's time to learn and there's time to earn. Yep. And I think it's like the, the seasons, right? Like you go through the different seasons. Sometimes I'm like, hey, I can absorb a lot more information now and I can dial it in. Other times I can't. Mm-hmm. Um, or I probably could, but it's just not a natural thing for me to do. And that's probably because my output of work is so high at that point mm-hmm. in time. Outside of that, I've got to be present for being a dad. I've got to be present for being a husband. And then, you know, I've got to take care of myself. I've got to train. Mm. I think that it would probably be worse off if I didn't take care of my health because then that would be, like, a big gap. Because in those mm. times, uh, if you're training, I still think it gives you that time to switch out. You're getting a sense of meditation um, and it's that time to yourself. Um, and just mentally, I think that you do feel better. So yeah. maybe if I didn't do that, maybe it would be more of a concern. Yep. How do you manage the balance of life? Uh, these I, actually, days? I I think that balance is actually like something I'm good at. Yeah. Yeah, balance or counterbalance or like harmony. Harmony. Yeah. Harmony yeah. Is, I think the word. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, I just structure my days so I know um, morning times for me to train. I get that done early in the morning. When I'm at work, I'm I'm at work. There's there's like nothing else. I'm there to work because I know, let's say I've got eight till four. If I don't get my stuff done in that time, then I'm not going to be present at home. Previously, before like being a dad, you know, I'd do meetings outside. Like like this is a once-off. This is outside of work times, yep. which is fine. And before I did it, I asked my wife for approval. Yeah, yeah which is <laughs> I'm glad she gave it. Yeah. yeah, she did. Yeah, she did. <laughs> because I know, okay, I need to squeeze as much as I can in this eight-hour window. And that list that I have every day. It's got to be ticked off. Like, there's no if, buts, or what's. Yeah, yeah. Um, Then I go home and, uh, you know, I be a dad. That's the first thing. Give my wife a break. I be a dad. I'm not on my phone. I'm just there. We're just doing whatever we do. I do the feedings. I do the baths or the showers. um, Get it ready for bed. And then I switch off from there. Um, I find sticking to that has been a perfect balance. Previously, you know, I'm going to be on my phone late. I'm going to be working, you know, working late. I, I very rarely am on my phone. So even with social media, there would be, would have been a time I'd be on my phone four hours a night, like trying to get engagement and stuff. I don't do any of that stuff anymore. And I feel like that gives me a sense of happiness because, yeah, harmony, using the word harmony, that's something that I feel like I've got a strength of in my life. Mm. Yeah. You always had the flip sides, seasons as well. Like the weekend course, was a massive weekend for us. Mm. That's obviously had a bit of an impact like this week but you can't keep on doing that all the time. I mean, burnout is like obviously a cliche thing to say, but if you talk and keep on the theme of like in harmony, like things are going to fall off, like the wheel's going to fall off for sure. 
Definitely. And, um, yeah, definitely, like even just going back to, like, last week, how you do get those opportunities that, like, UFC comes to Perth, you go, jump on it. Yeah. And normally, like, when I found as well, we both had a massive week, and at the end of the week, you're just, like, fucking yeah. cooked. Because yeah. uh, you're fit, fit, fitting your normal everything, and mm. then you got to throw all these extra content commitments, which is exciting, and it's amazing when you're going through it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, at the end of it, you're just like, holy shit. And you wonder how some people, they almost, that's their norm. Where they're just running around chasing and doing this sort of stuff, where there's almost there's no there's no off switch, there's no, there's no yeah. and there's yeah, yeah. no like stability. Yeah. They've got to be so flexible with their routines and schedules, which I thought I find that's very difficult. I I think so. I think we're very lucky. Like we're, you and me are both being quite established in in our own spaces, mm. um, which is somewhat connected. But then when we get those opportunities to do that stuff, mm. and I remember I filmed Arnold. Um, I think it was two thousand and nineteen or twenty. Uh, no. 2019, yeah, it was. And I remember I was one of three people with a media pass and it was me and I'm like literally, you know, a metre or two away, camera in the face, getting him to make, you know, all these sayings and stuff. And the year before I wasn't ready for it, um, like my brain just, like there was a lot going on and I didn't take it in and I'm like, man, that's like Arnold, that's one of the greats. Mm. Then the next year when I got the pass, I was one of three people and I remember there's thousands of people around. It was like a Justin Bieber concert trying to get to this guy and I was like, just take like 30 seconds. Like keep the camera going, but just actually like step away, take it all in, like appreciate it. Not mm. everyone gets these experiences. And same thing with UFC on the weekend. I spoke about mm. filming out of Sanya. It was like, man, you get to live a lot of people's dream. And like when we get those opportunities, like just enjoy it. Hey. Enjoy no, it. definitely. Be present with it. Yeah. Mm. Especially when it's such a um, it's such a rare thing to come come to Perth and the scale and it's a sport that we yeah. Go mental over. 100%. As well as so like yeah. little kids again. Um, speaking of which, what was your, what was your, what was your take-homes from the, from the week? Or oh, even from the, <laughs> from the fights, from the fights. Oh, here we go. Start off, start off at um, the main event. The main event. Okay, yeah, yeah we've got to start off at the main event. So um, it was the most incredible thing. that. I, first of all, I'll just start off with the whole event. It was the most incredible thing I've ever been to. Like um, NRL Grand Finals, I've been to a, probably a handful of them. State of Origins, I've been to a handful of them. Rage Against the Machine, all these bands. And, like, that took the chair and the cake. There's no mm. comparison, the atmosphere and just the vibe and the energy and being able to be there as a spectator on the day, uh, which I don't often get to do. Um, it was just such a great experience. From the main event, i got to say, I'm a biased Aussie. Mm. And with the, especially with the underdog, it's your boy out there. Like, you know, my mates, are, he's, you know, he's uh, Volkanovski's business partners. There's a big connection. And I'm like, maybe he had round two. It could have gone either way. It could have yeah, gone either yeah, way. Yeah. You know, round three. Just diamonds maybe in your eyes. Maybe he had round yeah. three. Yeah, yeah. And then round four especially. Yeah, uh, he had back control, but, man, he's landed these he's strikes. He's landed strikes. Yeah, yeah he's landed <laughs> he's strikes. He's doing nothing. Yeah, yeah, no, no. So I'm surrounded by all the Aussies, and then by the end of it, I literally got out of my seat and started crying. I'm not joking. <laughs> I grabbed my head. I'm like, he's done it. He's done it. I'm like, hit my friend. Oh, my God, I can't believe he's done it. Yeah. And then and still, and Islam wins. And um, Did you, you see so you at the end of the fifth, you thought he won? Yeah, I, I thought he won. I knew that it was very, very close, mm. like most mm. of all. But by you know, when he finishes with that ground and pound, I'm like, oh, he's done yeah, it, he's done it. And the yeah. recency effect, yeah, yeah, as well yeah, that yeah. has, and the crowd going wild, yeah. and going wild, that can, that crowd bias. Yeah. Man, I know I'm Oz, I like you know I'm an Aussie. Of course, I'm gonna like cheer for him and <laughs> yeah, the yeah, other dog and hope yeah, for the yeah. best. Um, looking back, um, it was an extremely uh, close fight. Islam gets the decision, which I'm not mad about. If either if either hand got raised, I wouldn't have been mad. Mm. Um, he gets the decision. You know, it was a very, very close fight. And um, 
Just what an experience, though, hey. Mm. What surprised you about the fight? That uh, I actually picked it would go the distance, but yeah, just... Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I actually, I, I'm like, Islam's either going to get him in, like, 30 seconds or this is going to go the distance. Yeah. And just the fact that he just defended the takedowns. Mm. Oh, yeah. yeah and, got, and got put in the positions. I thought if every, he had two minutes position. to work yeah, with him, yeah, three yeah. minutes to work with him, full back control. Yeah. Like, I thought no one, no one would survive. Hard, man. Like you, nah. you would see him nah. going back to his that condi- his, condi- his conditioning yeah, freaked man. him out. It's, it's, it's crazy. His yeah. strength, his conditioning, yeah, just his confidence. His yeah, heart. I, th- is, I think it was the first yeah, round, yeah. right? He got his back, and Vox had just pushed his arm up over yeah. his yeah. 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 I mean, He's got a short neck. He's going to be hard to choke. <laughs> but just pushed his arm up. He used to be over 100 kilos. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm he's, like, got, he's got that strength. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like guys aren't used to. Experience. I mean, I played rugby league growing up. And I'm mm. like, oh, I don't think that people actually realise, like, you, you're tackling dudes yeah. double your size. And like he was that, a prop as well. Like the foundation that you have, especially when you grow up with a sport like that, is yeah. massive. But yeah. I just think mentally, man, I don't think anyone lost. Uh, obviously, you know, Vox lost the fight on the decision. The crowd, man, they got put on a show. Um, Vox stock didn't go down at all. It, it just, went up. It just went up. It actually yeah, went yeah. up. Massively went up. Yeah. Still holds on to pound to pound, which 100%. again is going to open up 100%. controversy. But... Just being a part of it and being able to be there with how hard tickets were to get, so just to be able to be a spectator, to be in that environment and in somewhat possibly in the top 10 greatest fights. Definitely. And you think like the whole, the concept of pound for pound, it's like he's still number one. Yeah. He took, he took probably what I think Islam would just roll everyone at lightweight. Yeah, I everyone. I think he's going to oh, roll yeah. everyone yeah. at lightweight, and you'll see after. I mean, hopefully they do a rematch. Mm. But like he, he will be one of the one of the. I mean, Khabib will be the goat of lightweight. Islam will probably be the next one. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then have a guy the division below come up and take him that close. You know what I mean? That's. I mean, Islam couldn't go up to welterweight and go smoke Usman. You know what I mean? I don't. He would have a very hard time oh, getting yeah. getting a guy like Usman. And true power for pound means you dominate your own division Correct. and you go up and you. I mean, no one in your division can touch you. Yeah. Like you're like Khabib was like you're sort of like no one could touch him. But then you go up a division and you're still you even take that belt or you're incredibly close if there's an unbelievable champion. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think so. For the amount of weight that Vox would have given up on fight day, um, I think that keeping him pound for pound was the right decision. I think everyone mm. wins because the salty Aussies, like me, <laughs> get to go... Don't oh, worry, man. We're all salty. Yeah, we're all salty. <laughs> get to win. And um, all of the Islam fans uh, who were gloating, now they're all salty. So I'm like, hey, we're all salty now. It's all good. It's all good. We're all salty and we're also all happy. So yeah, yeah. I thought that was good. Um, Do you reckon there's going to be a rematch? Uh, oh, yeah. they're a money-making machine, man. What yeah. I think is going to happen is I think that Oliver and Benil are going to fight I believe it's in the middle of the year um, Yair said that he didn't want to fight until later in the year that both boys want to be active so provided that um, they get health clearance it wouldn't surprise me if they jot them at the Mid-year. same time as um, yeah, International time Fight Week up. maybe they're going to make yeah, that money yeah. right yeah yeah. yeah. So it and that's the fight me. that's the fight for making money yeah whilst it's so. still just yeah, so fresh. still fresh. So I think that's, I don't think that was the plan, but I think that's what they're going to do for sure. Um, as far as like the other key fight, I got to say, because um, we both know him as well, like Jack Della. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Bro, <laughs> I was like out of my chair, running yeah, up and down so the good. aisle. So good. Like so just good. having the Perth boy, and now he's in the top fifteen. I think that one thing I love about Perth, and I always say this in business, and you know, branding and getting yourself mm. out there. Perth's big enough to make an impact, but it's not so big that you get lost in the crowd. Mm. Whereas if you're Sydney, you're like, you know, Perth might be the size big city, of the inner oh, yeah, city. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and they're yeah. all split up. If you're from the hills, then that's its own zone. If you're from Northern Beach, that's the own zone. Mm. 
Perth, I think, and because we're so isolated, we're almost like another country, is I honestly think that we're super passionate about our people. So seeing Jack go out there and do his thing mm. and just being the kind of dude he is, he's uh, just so calm and, you know, so chill. And even his comment, I don't know, bro, I'm going to Bali. <laughs> uh, like, it's just classic Perth. Yeah, and just seeing yeah. people get behind him, it just makes me proud to see people that we know. Like yeah, Perth, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a super... Just simple, humble guy who's a hard worker who, you know, yeah. fame wouldn't go to his head. No. You know what I mean? He's the next day back to training. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He, he's the legit, just, he's just a, yeah. like, just a good guy, loves training. Wants to, you can just tell he doesn't get phased mm. by much. He's built for the bright lights to not get caught up in it all. No. You know I mean? And you can just tell the way, like, he's fought, his first fight in the UFC was on the Francis Ngannou card. Yeah, yeah. That was his first, outside of the Contender Series. Oh, was that? Yeah. No, that wasn't Garn, was it? Uh, yeah, yeah, Garn, Garn and Garn, yeah. yeah. So that was his first fight and smoked that guy and Joe Rogan and DC were just frothing on it. Yeah. And then, like, you know, smoked the next guy, smoked the next guy. And then, um, yeah, then this is, like, you know, first uh, big hometown fight, which is shitloads of pressure Yeah. yeah. in yeah. that arena. And most people, some people can step up to it, others it's too much pressure. I mean, he would have had a lot of people hitting him up for tickets and doing his head in all week and media commitments and a whole heap of shit that he would have never had to deal with. Mm. Yeah, and he's gone through it first round, finished, and did it via submission. And he, yeah. was, as well. he was his hardest opponent also, like, mm. you know. Yeah. He, he's a yeah. great fighter, like, oh. all stuff. And I think he's also, uh, I listened to the podcast of Joe Rogan that he did. During uh, the Fight Companion? Yeah, the yeah, Fight yeah. Companion, all the yeah. stuff live, and they are frothing. Yeah. Legit. Yeah. They, they see him as the probably the biggest prospect at the moment. I they said it, like, openly. So. His composure, man. Yeah, man. He he even he's like, so present, man. Yeah. Like, you can see him. He's so present. He measures everything and all that stuff and just waits for his moment, and he's so accurate straight away. Yeah. <laughs> Standing up, he's, oh, he's man. dangerous, man. Like, and, like, Randy is just... Trying to put hands in, which is yeah, he's just, just yeah, calmly yeah. just work working through it, and, and then as soon as the opening, bang, bang, done. You know what I mean? He's just he just and he's a guy that just works the body. Most MMA guys don't do as much yeah, yeah, yeah. body shots as what he does, but his boxing is so good. Mm. Yeah, you could definitely see it. I think um, yeah, whatever's up for him for him next. You know, eventually you'll have a Masvidal fight with him. Like when you start bad. to throw in some big names, yeah, yeah. two good strikers. Yeah. yeah, you get to throw in some big names. Um, yeah, man, he's um, it's 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 just that was a privilege. Yeah. just to see him do hundred percent. Sure. And he's probably only one more fight from one of those fights. Yeah, from a Masvidal or you know, or, or, or getting like, yeah, he'll have, he'll have a top fifteen guy next. He's number fourteen now, mm-hmm. so he'll have a top fifteen guy if he gets with, especially if he gets through a guy quickly. He's already had four first round finishes. If he has five, that that will give him a top six, top seven. Yep. Yeah, and then probably give him Wonder Boy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, I mean, bright future. His next twelve months is is looking very interesting. What about the? What were your thoughts on the ticket situation? How hard it was to get tickets. Mm. Yeah, yes. and the fact that seventy percent of the people in the venue they're all from outside of WA. Only, only only thirty yeah, percent were WA people, which is that's right, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't think yeah. that. So UFC actually did speak about it. Um, I'm not sure if it's one of their Australian staff. Um, uh, I actually met him at the open workouts, but he went on and did the executive interview afterwards yeah, yeah. Uh, t- for the press. So they were concerned about scaling because they weren't sure how Australia was going to go um, post-COVID. Mm. In hindsight, they should have done a stadium. 
Um, they think they could have sold the 60,000, but at the time they weren't too sure. And I think it shocked them with how fast it sold. Mm. So um, what did I think about it? Well, I was lucky. I got tickets on the pre-release and mm. um, I thought that it would have been fine. And it turns out everyone got no, a fight. Everyone didn't get it either. No. Yeah, and I did it on a plane, on plane Wi-Fi, freaking out that which I wasn't going to get tickets. Wild. Yeah, which is wild. So you can I'd imagine my, that. I had my whole staff about... Well, that weren't actually working in the clinic at the time. Everyone that wasn't, about seven of, seven of them, just saying, you're on. Your one job you got to do, just be online the whole time. No one got tickets. No one could get it. And, and next to no one got tickets. That's crazy. In Perth, very, 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 very little people got tickets. Because I had Perth. Fight Club, it was a, and I thought that was a guarantee I was going to get tickets. Yeah. Like I said, no. I was on a plane going to Wollongong, and on plane Wi-Fi, freaking out, because we all know what plane Wi-Fi is like, freaking out it's going to drop off. <laughs> I had my phone going, my laptop going, and both in a queue for 15 minutes, I'm literally sweating on the plane, um, having a panic attack. And then 15 minutes later, my laptop clicked over. I got tickets straight away. I tried to get um, like the floor seats, yeah. sold out straight away. And I'm just like, I can't refresh the screen, best available. And then just got whatever tickets I could. And then that was it. Yeah. Then I posted about it. And um, a bunch of, you know, your mates that follow you, they're like, just salty Australians. Yeah, salty, <laughs> yeah they're salty Australians. They came out, they're like, how did, how did you do that? I'm like, oh, Fight Club, bro. And um, they're like, yeah, we have it too. We've been in the queue for, oh, you know, well, two hours or whatever. Yeah. And um, none of them got them. So I actually didn't realize how lucky I was going to be. One thing I will say, though, like just wrapping up the event and stuff. Um, and we, and we spoke about it off camera, is obviously I'm around events all the time, like, you know, your um, CrossFit semifinals, um, all these sort of competitions. And i got to say, UFC blew my mind with how they can light up a whole city. Like, the activations they did, the effort they put in with their things like the open workouts, making the um, press conferences and the weigh-ins free, so yep. even all the kids who couldn't mm, get tickets, they mm. get to come see their, you know, their idols. Um, what that does to hype up the event. Um, the special appearances reads, at some pubs. At the pubs. Apparently, like, Oliveira at the same. Yep. All these things had were just ridiculous. It was crazy. The amount of people. Everything that was – anything that was associated with the fight was just ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm just like – Man, they just do it at such another level, and I think it was so special to see. And just from from what I saw, obviously I was there, but from what I see, uh, what I saw, from what I hear, from you know your YouTube uh, commentators and whatnot, um, just about how wild the crowd was mm. and how amazing it was. I think like just for Australia over Perth, that just made me so proud when they're saying, "Hey, man, Dana's talking about O2 Arena in London." That was nothing compared to what we saw in For the people that were there at yeah, O2, yeah. really. Yeah, John Anik, everyone was just like, man, I've been to all these events and nothing compared special, to what yeah. I experienced yeah. at Perth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it's something special that way. It it's is, actually man. Like, you know, yeah. The Q6's really good yeah, on it. Because yeah. I've probably been to six UFCs now, like three in Australia, three outside. Yeah. The two best, hands down, were the two Perth ones. Oh, really? Hands down. Yep. Hands down. I mean, it went to the, just talking about like stadium shows, I went to the Ronda Rousey. Holly Home Fight, 60,000, yeah. it, it actually wasn't that great atmosphere. It's oh, pretty really? shit atmosphere. To be honest, like, for most of, the, most of the fights, it was just everyone just sitting because like, you lose the atmosphere in a stadium. Yeah. Whereas like, in the arenas, I mean, we went to the Singapore one in June when Yuri and Glover oh, yeah, fought. Yeah. We went to that. That was great as well. So that's probably like third best. Yeah. But yeah, the arenas, particularly Perth shows and the RFC, that's like the best. It's and the viewing is is probably better. It's not like a shit set in the house. No, it was it was so good. Um, it was funny because I, I I'm in line and I was just you know connecting. Obviously, everyone thinks I'm Vox um, <laughs> over the weekend, so it was a good conversation startup. <laughs> so I was chatting with a bunch of boys from Sydney and then from Melbourne and then um, Wollongong. 
and um, they're like, man, this stadium's so awesome. Like, the design is so good. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, guys, you realise when they built this, everyone caught, you know, the government caught backlash because yeah. it looked like a stomped can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I loved it. I remember they so, did. Like, yeah, they did. They did, yeah. It's like, it's so horrendous. It's like a crushed so up can. Anyway, I loved it. Yeah. And now it's just like iconically Perth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, in terms of just like, I mean, going back to with various things you've got going on, on in your life with, with fatherhood, yeah. what have you really learned about yourself um, since being a dad? Yeah, actually, that's a really, really good question. Um, and how's it changed your view on life and even things like other things like business or whatever? Instantly. Yeah. Um, so... When I first found out Shell was pregnant, like a, a pregnancy test, so how, it, how it actually happened, we were trying, and we were trying for about four months. And every time you'd go through a cycle and she um, couldn't get pregnant, you think it would be really quick. But it, it, for us, it, it, four months actually isn't that much. Some people obviously yeah, have yeah, a lot yeah. worse. Um, she did it, and then she started to get really upset every time. By the third time, you know, it was almost like a uh, uh, traumatic that she couldn't get pregnant because then and then for me it was like hold on maybe I should go get tested maybe something's wrong with me so we went for the fourth time and um, it was a few days before it was time to take a test to do a test and she was eating like cucumbers and ice cream or something well, not like the pickle like the normal thing but it was like she yeah, yeah, had yeah. like one of each and it was just weird she'd never done it before and I was like oh Maybe you should go take a test. She's like, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Like, it really kind of cracked her up. And then the next night, she was eating the same thing. And this was the day before she was going to do the test. And I'm like, are you sure you don't want to take that test? And um, she was hell against it. Wasn't going to do it till the next morning. So anyway, next morning comes around. And um, she would train before me at that stage. Um, and I'll train in the afternoons. And so I woke up. I'm still waking up. I'm going to the bathroom. She's getting ready to leave. And then I've gone to go wash my hands and there's the test on the desk and I look quick, you know, on the bench um, or the basin. And um, I quickly looked around, my eyes are still opening up and I saw the two stripes and my brain was trying to work out if that meant that she was pregnant. And I'm like, Fuck, I'm pretty sure that two stripes is pregnant. So I'm like, shit. And then walked out, it was pretty surreal and like kind of held up the thing to her mm. as she was walking out the door, literally the door opened. She's like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. I'll see you when I get back. I'm like... <laughs> What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> so she left to go Am train. Am I anyone excited about this? <laughs> yeah. So she left to go train. I'm there by myself at home just realising that my wife's pregnant. And the first thing that crossed my mind, and this is going to lead into the answer to your question, the first thing that crossed my mind was, oh, you can't fuck this up. And that was it. It was like mm. this sense of responsibility of, oh, you've like – you're the like provider, like you're you're it. Your wife's about to go through this thing, and mm. you can't, you know, financially or everything else, or you know, the, you, you just can't fuck this up. Essentially, so obviously we go through the process from now. Now, when Evie was born, it was almost like because um, uh, Evie was born still when there was COVID restrictions, so um, I couldn't be at the hospital um, <coughs> uh, with Shell. Uh, I think I had. 15 minutes after she was in her ward and everything was okay. Um, then I had to leave, which was okay because it was a 51-hour labour and we didn't sleep for two days and um, uh, I needed to go home anyway. Mm. So it was like 4am. And um, the next day when I woke up, I was just sitting there by myself that night and it was like, you know, call it universe, call it God, call it energy, whatever it is, it was like this ether was beamed down into my brain, like a radio signal, and it was 
oh, you need to provide. Like, and I don't know, it's this sense of being a man, right? Of course. So if anyone debates that, it, it was so intrinsic like a thing, I felt like I could like touch it or cut it. Just that mm, feeling. Mm. Um, so that was like a massive thing, this sense to provide and being a man. The other part of it was when I was in public. So, you know, you're at Freo Markets or somewhere like that. You've got a baby, you've got a pram. You start scanning, like, the, you know, for danger. Mm, mm. And it's weird because it's like it's ingrained in you to do it, just to always look out for danger. I'm like, oh, that's like yeah. this protecting instinct. It almost activates, like, parts of your DNA that were laying dormant before and all of a sudden, oh, have more of that, you know? Mm. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And, yeah. and that's, that's, that's actually probably the best way to explain it. It was like parts of my DNA were being activated and then I was wired to do it. Um, outside of that, like, how has it actually changed me? So that's like, I guess, some instincts and... Um, just like internal things, mm. I used to take a lot of risk in life and in business. I'd like jump out of an aeroplane and then try and put my parachute on on the way down. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs have that, that DNA, yeah, yeah, that yeah. DNA to be able to do it. Um, I'm way more risk averse now, where I'll still <coughs> risk, but my parachute's got to be more calculated. Yeah, more calculated. Yeah, yeah. I can't do those all or nothing. I'm either going to seek or swim. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah, um, yeah. whereas before I'd be like, yeah, I believe in myself, I'm just going to go for it. And that comes down to the providing where it's like, you know, there's a baseline of your life of how you guys want to live. You need to be able to maintain that. You can still shoot for the stars, but there's a, there's a flaw there's to baseline, this. Yeah, yeah. There's a baseline. Yeah, you can't go all in no. in terms of uh, – you, you, you can go all in, but in terms of not all the chips financially on the table. Yeah. Yeah, because you can't lose all the chips. 100%. When that's the case, yeah. We're probably you, still, you can lose <laughs> a, a decent amount of them as long as you've got that baseline. And, you know, you know and when you've got the entrepreneurial DNA and you know you can get it back, mm. you can get it back, but still you don't want to put your family through that, of course. that process. Yeah, it's not just you now. Like, there's, yeah. there's those responsibilities. So I'll probably say that's been the biggest takeaway is having a girl as well. I really appreciate that my first baby was a girl. Um, that changes your perspective on women, like 100% for sure, mm. because now – Everyone's a daughter, and that like completely changes the scope. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you realise, oh, the way that you look at your daughter and that love and that protection. Every girl, or not everyone has that, but you, in, you but all of a sudden it's like a, a dad cares for that person in the same way, so you treat them the yep. same way. Yep, definitely. What's what's been different about being a father than what you expected? That's, that sort of surprised you or caught you off guard? I wasn't very paternal. Um, it, so Shell and I weren't paternal people each. We, we actually had a discussion. So our cutoff line was 35. And when we turned 35, it was like, that was the, that was the year. It's like, hey, if we're going to do this, we're going to make a decision now. And you'd think it would have been an, an easy one, but we were actually like, do we want to do it? And then the conversation came to, well, if we don't, we're going to regret it. So we're going to have one baby. Um the thing that was different for me is how naturally it came to me. Um, and that might be a DNA yeah. thing, but I've never been one. My sister's got four kids. She was, like, <laughs> maternal as hell. Like, she knew she just wanted to be a mum. Mm. And if her kids came near me, I'd be like, no, 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 I don't want to. You know, I don't want to hold babies. It's all, it's all good. I was, one, I was one of those people. Uncle Brenda doesn't want to pay you. I'm the one that just jokes with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that sort of stuff. I'm the cool uncle um, that just jokes with them. Um... But I found, that's one thing I realised. I'm like, oh, like, you're actually, like, you know, it's a weird thing to say, but, oh, I'm actually good at this. Like, it wasn't as challenging for me as what I thought. The dad side of it, 
The biggest challenge that I found, um, and I don't know if many people would speak about it, but um, openly, I found being the supporter was the hardest part because your wife is going through so many life changes and they're not mm. the same person. 100%. Mm. Yeah, and I know that Theo's spoken with Shell. So Theo, Theo and Shell are good friends. Um, and they knew each other before Theo and I knew each other. And um, um, and th- they're not the same people as what they were and you can't change that. There's a lot in their life that changes. Um, and especially if you're a very driven person, um, you find it hard to have that emotional side and Instead empathy of just for being there, going through, just yeah. get it done. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. so one conversa- conversation that I've had with my wife, because, you know, I've managed 50 people at one stage and there's a way that you speak to people as a general manager, not in a bad way, but you've just got to be direct sometimes. Like, mm. you can't sugarcoat stuff. Like, you just got to say it. Mm. And one time she's like, you speak to me like I'm one of your employees. <laughs> but for me, it was like just a no-brainer. We just got to get it done. Yeah. yeah. And so that was a challenge for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And still, like, still is a challenge for sure. Um, and I definitely have not worked out that side of it yet. Yeah. Um, that probably would have been big differences. It's an interesting one because I've heard also once, I think it was Ben Pakulski actually, um, from the moment he became a dad and all the stuff, and I, hear, I heard in one of his podcasts sharing that, he actually created this uh, um, avatar, basically technique that he uses, basically creating an avatar for every part of his life. The dad avatar, the business avatar, the training avatar, and all the stuff, and he basically knows what every avatar uh, uh, encompasses and all the stuff, and switches on and off mm-hmm. from all of those. And it was a very interesting concept when I actually heard about it because it makes sense also because as soon as you enter the house, having that mm-hmm. switch and all the stuff, and knowing okay, I need to behave in a specific way, it, it probably like makes really sense, and and it's something I feel that can really support like uh, especially in your father's son and you can probably yeah. be really present if you if you're that, that model you're present in yeah, that yeah, avatar yeah. in yeah. that yeah. moment or whatever you're 100 yeah. yeah um i think that's actually a really interesting one one thing though and this is i don't feel um as bad about it but i'm probably justifying not being great in that area is as the man and i spoke about providing and protecting <laughs> and this we can probably like go deeper into this um because theo has known me for so long is you need to be the leader yep. of the mm, house as mm, well. Mm. And sometimes I just need to say shit because it has to be done. Whether you yep. like it or not, yep. you can't fluff around it. Like mm. if you don't do these certain things and that can affect your family, maybe your wife doesn't see that stuff, but mm. you as the man just needs to lead it to mm. be that way. Mm. Um, and maybe men are scared to like admit that because when Theo and I – First, man, I know that the things you speak about and masculinity, I probably didn't have a lot of that, um, probably because I grew up as a rep. I spoke about this recently to someone and just about, like, natures. I grew up as a rep, and part of being a rep is you build a big network of people, but your job is almost to be a people pleaser. And mm. yeah. the more that yeah, you can yeah. please people, mm. the more deals you get. So think about, like, 14 years of my life. So from, on, you know, 18 to 20 uh, 18 or 20 up until, yeah, let's say 34, I was in a position where my job was to be a people pleaser. Um, mm. And so changing that to bend the, not the opposite, except, you know, having to be yeah, direct yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and making hard decisions and mm-hmm. having those hard conversations. 100%. That was it's a big, big switch, part of my yeah. journey. Yeah, 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 yeah. Switching roles 100%. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. And I think like with that as well, the mental, mental development... Um, 
I've grown a lot through doing challenges in life. And a lot of my challenges are fitness-based challenges. Some of them are business and some of them are really fucking hard things I've gone through business. Mm. But those hard things that I've gone through, which at the time almost crushed me, um, like just mentally and, um, you know, things like panic attacks and things that are involved within that stuff, it's made me so, so, so much better now. Mm. Because you, yeah, because was, you was there a particular moment in your life, particularly that you might don't mind sharing? Yeah, so there was a period where I exited from a business, but it was the negotiation process mm. to that I wasn't ready for. And then you realize, I re- so for about four months, I just like couldn't sleep, had anxiety, ended up in the hospital because I thought I was having a heart attack, and I never had a panic attack before, and I thought I was dying of a heart attack for mm. four days. And um, I went to the hospital, got ECG, and they're like, dude, you're healthy, you're fine. That's what a panic attack feels like. Mm -hmm. And then the months after that, because that feeling of your heart and having a heart attack, every time I laid still when there was no noise, it started to go into this cycle again. Mm. And I was convinced I was going to die of a heart attack of that time. And that took me months to get over. Mm. Um, So that was part of like hard negotiations with people that were well and truly further along the business journey than me. But it taught me a lot because now I can have those hard conversations. Um, they, were, they were put on the planet to, to teach you the lessons that you need to learn. Yeah, and I yeah. Pre- appreciate yeah. that too. Yeah. But fitness challenges, mm. like doing the 24-hour races, jumping, mm. you know, all of that sort of stuff. I remember doing the 24-hour race and I was the only non-runner on the team. I was just a crossfitter. I think I just did a few warm-ups. But I had a goal and, um, you know, I had to hit over 100K. And we're going through this 24-hour race, and as you're kind of getting halfway through it, people are pulling out, like, you know, feet are bleeding, mm. all of this stuff. Like, you know, going back to Goggins, we've the heard those stories. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Body breaks down, but the brain breaks down, like the mind breaks down. And all these people who were elite runners who were on the team with were pulling out, And but I had my goal, and there was like, you know, if I had to crawl, I still just would have finished that goal. And you go through the troughs, the peaks and the troughs through that, that 24-hour journey, where you want to quit. Like, you know, we can do it. You can go to Dignus into a training session if mm. you want to quit. And the mm. same thing happens. You've got to overcome it. And I remember it worked out to be nine laps. And so I broke it down into three laps of three. And they were, um, uh, I think, 14K laps each. And I remember getting to the six and my knees were blown out. My feet were bleeding, but I just refused to take off my shoes so I couldn't see them. But I remember, uh, like, going through or jogging or walking um, or wherever I was at that stage and just how cooked my body was and my mind. And I just kept on breaking through. And then it dawned on me, oh, you've got a different mental capacity to other people because you can push through. You can switch off and you can Mm -hmm. push through this stuff. Mm -hmm. And not many people could do that. And the growth that I had hitting that goal. And the other thing was, you know, the money that I spent, the time I spent away from, you know, my wife. And I could not jump on a plane back. And go through all of that to tell her, no, I didn't do it. And so that pushed me through. But you had a big why then. <laughs> yeah, there was yeah, a, yeah. there was the why to be able to do it. And it's such a stupid thing, right? It's like a 24-hour race. It's mm. not, you know, it's, it means nothing at the end of the day. But what that did as a Test. character building yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. was massive. And I see mm. all those things over the year. They've been like little bricks on top of each yep. other. Um, and I look at people who at some stage we might have been at a similar spot but we're not now because they didn't challenge themselves mm. in the same way. I think you spoke about this on one of your podcasts about people not challenging themselves. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that probably yeah. sums it up. Mm. Do you feel most people in society these days don't push at all and they're, they're not really putting themselves out there or they're playing it pretty safe and comfortable? I think that more of a percentage than what we think don't push themselves. Yeah. 
yeah, like crazy more. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not just talking yeah. about like health and fitness, just in life in, in general, general. Like in every level. In, in areas you know. where you need to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Just everything. I think that the which is sad, but I think that the majority of people will get to a point which is just comfort, yep. whether that is in a relationship, in a job, whatever that is. And then that just becomes life, and then you get caught up in the distractions and UFCs and mm. whatever your whatever your jam is, whatever your junk is outside. Yeah. But then that becomes your life. And the thing that fucking scares me about that is, I'm 38. The last when I was 35, when Eva was born, this is when I had that realization. The last 15 years at that stage went very quick. Mm. The next yep. 15 years are going to go very quick. 100 quicker. Be, I'm be 50. Yeah, quicker. Yeah. I'm going to be 50. <laughs> this time that we have is so limited. Yeah. yeah. You have to take the opportunity. Of course. Hey? Of course. You have to. And that's why you have to train the, that muscle, also that metal muscle. Because mm. unfortunately, our, bla- our brain is actually has evolved to seek safety because of where we came through. Mm. And imagine for how, thousand, how many thousands mm. of years we're actually afraid of a cyber the tiger and everything coming to eat us and everything. So our brain seeks safety. You know, and and to create around us that 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 um, safe environment. So if you don't train your muscle and your mind and consistently seeking that challenge to com- consistently like break through, mm. you're gonna stay and feeling stuck like mm. a lot of men do mm. because they're not willing to put that work and actually like yeah. seek that and actively. That, and that's where you make the big jumps. Yeah, you can make yeah, gradual little little uh, increments just from just that you know improve your sleep and do different things and like you know all these little habits they can help you just have that subtle improvement but the big jumps come from those big experiences or you have a crack at saying in business and you bomb out and you go through the pain of it you go through it you process it you you know learn the lessons adopt to it or you know do a big retreat or plant medicine ceremony you have a massive yeah. breakthrough and you have coaching these are the things that actually get you that those exponential jumps where you level up because yeah. there's other th- other ways you can't level up because it's just such gradual improvements you need to be be able to do these things whatever. it's not always just phys- physical feats as one part but then there's could be spiritual emotional different things yeah, you know like in business yeah and and some people are animals in fitness but as we know then they're very very weak and vulnerable in other areas yeah. and that's what that's where they need to go and yeah. they avoid those areas and just stick where they're strong yeah, yeah we've spoken about that and that's yeah. that's one mm. thing in my life like i'm i'm proud of i think before um if we talk about not balance of life but balance of character of mm-hmm. person mm-hmm. i definitely didn't have that and i feel mm. like even emotionally i was up and down a lot because i didn't have that balance of character and that's one thing over the years um, that I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm proud of who I am as a person because I can take care of all these areas of my life, and whether that's health and fitness, finance, you know, family, and then, you know, internally, which is probably the one which I would leave blank the most when you get caught up in stuff. Mm. Um, <coughs> but you've you got to have all that. Yeah, yeah. For sure. And as men, we, we always, you know, like we pick an area and we try to master that because it's actually easy for us to do that, but then all these other areas of our life start literally like falling apart. Because yeah. it feels good when you're, I mean, getting reinforced for the things yeah. that you're good at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it doesn't always feel, I mean, you got to be built differently to enjoy sucking so, at things yeah, yeah. Yeah. and being a white belt and saying when you're a black belt at this. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then to be able to take that, you know, being shit and enjoy it and, and uh, you know, and go deep into that. And that takes like humility, growth mindset. And if you don't that and you're comfortable, you just stick at whatever avenues you're good at. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. Very, very good point. Say, um, saying that, also, I wanted to ask you something. Um, your plant medicine journey. Yeah. What have you learned from working with the medicine, and how 
it actually helps you shift in the way you perceive things. Um, but also, did it help you with business or any of the other areas? Yeah, without a doubt. So I think um, every area of your life, there's a benefit to. Um, so you and I journeyed with psychedelics the first time together. Yeah. And... I remember even that one time in that process. So I, my crutch was alcohol and I couldn't understand it because I would myself, um, uh, my lens myself, myself um, impression um, or yes. however you would say it. Is Self-worth I, and... Uh, yeah, I would say that I was um, like a fitness person. If I was mm-hmm. to describe myself, I would have said, oh, I'm a fitness person. You identified those. That, that's identified, that. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But... My actions were different because I was a binge drinker that used to blackout drink myself. And most of the time when I did, it was in private at home mm. by myself. And I'll wake up in the morning and full of shame and, you know, why the fuck did I do that? And um, I'd go through these, like, spirals. And I remember I wanted to address that and then, you know, learn about psychedelics. I'd never done them growing up. And so, you know, we did our first journey together. And I was like, well, maybe I'll discover something about this. And um, we went through the process, and um, this actually, it wasn't plant medicine, it was LSD. Um, you can, you can, uh, yeah, you can consider it, though, like, you know, it's a, it's a psychedelic. Yeah, let's, let's, it's a psychedelic, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, we're going through this uh, psychedelic <laughs> journey, <laughs> and I'm waiting for this, like, you know, thing, which is going to, like, help tell me about this process. And it's funny because it ended up bringing me to a relationship with one of my friends that had broken down and it was like a brother to me. Yeah. And I really like, um, I thought it was gonna be something else, but it was just this relationship of like this this person I was so close to, it was like a bigger brother who helped me so much in life. And for some reason, you know, we had an argument or whatever and disagreement and that like affected me so much. And so there was some sort of like self-worth issue that I was trying to protect. Yeah. And then once I realized that, I you know, those hard conversations I've talked about, I was able to call him up and go have coffee with him and just chat mm. to him and, you know, tell him how much I appreciate You know, kind of mend that bridge. And then that was one brick put on. And then later on, we did another journey. And um, this was probably the first most profound journey that I've experience, ever done. Yep. Yeah, the experience. And um, I was engaged. I was with a girl from when I was 21 until 25, and we were engaged. We were very, very close, did everything together. But obviously, I was at a stage in life where I just wasn't ready for that or mature enough mm. um, to be able to do that. And then when we when we broke up, um, that like rocked rocked my life um, for sure. Like I don't I don't think I could speak to a girl for three years, and it wasn't until five years later that I was actually able to have another relationship. But in that journey, I got to face that part like face face on. And um, I remember saying to Shell afterwards, hey, I need to go see this person before we get engaged because I've just got to, you know, I've just got to close it off. And um, and I did. And um, uh, it was like, there was like this monkey that was on my back every day, this thing in the back of my brain where I just wanted to say something to this person, just bump into him. And then I had the experience. And it was like my best friend had died and I grieved over him for years. And then I got to see them, or their ghost. And, um, yeah, that, that just lifted something off my back. And we had a dog together. Um, and I was like, do you want to see him? She hadn't seen him for eight years. And so um, she did. So she came over to meet him because he was, he was old at that stage. And... Um, yeah, and then um, so she met him after eight years, 
and then two weeks later he died. Mm. And like me, me and this dog were so so. Um, Theo knows him. We lived with him. So me and this dog was so bonded. And I think during one of the journeys, I remember looking at him. This is prior before she saw him. I remember looking at him, and um, I could see how old he was. And um, it was real sad to me because he wasn't that puppy. I could see like for how old he was and how sick he was. And me and him were so bonded. And it was like the house was silent when I was looking at him. And then um, I realised um, because of me separating with this girl, he never got to live his purpose. He was, his purpose was to be a family dog mm. and there was no family and the house was empty mm. and he was so connected for me because the love never got to be spread. Mm. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, that's what's in my subconscious every time I look at that dog. Like, there's still a connection there. So, yeah, she got to see him about two weeks afterwards and then, yeah, two weeks later he died. And I think when he died I, had, I just had closure um, because... I got to close. I got to properly tie off that relationship and it was perfect. And I think the experiences like that when you do these journeys and you get to see things for how they are and these Mm. things that are so like lodged into the back of your brain that change the way that you behave or the way that you think about yourself, um, it just helps you address those things. So that was really important and to my character development. And I think I got to do that and I got to do closure what about people that have rifts with their mum or dad or their mm. family oh, yeah. members? And then mm. someone, they, ne- they say things that they never, they want to, but they never get to say it. Mm. And I think that's one thing which I've understood and I've got good at. Um, so uh, one of my grandparents died during COVID. I didn't get to see him. He's the, the grandfather that I probably took after um, more than anything. And I never got to say bye. So as soon as, um, it was very close to our borders opening. So... I said I can't let that happen again. I've got to. I've got to go see my my grandparents, and and they're gonna meet Evie. So I jumped on a plane just as our borders were about to open and the the quarantine was uh, finished up. And um, two of my grandparents are farmers. They're very very hard people. My my pop I've probably not spoken to more than thirty seconds at a time. He's never <laughs> called me by my name. He's only, yeah, this is true. He's, he knows your name, right? Yeah. <laughs> he only ever called me boy. <laughs> This is not true, but he's the McCormack. It is 93. And my goal was to go over there and to see him for that last time and to say say goodbye. And uh, to tell him I love him, actually, sorry. Never said this to their face, looking at them in the eyes, which a lot of people don't, right? Mm. And um, they got to meet Evie and, you know, we got to speak. And I probably asked them more questions than they ever had. Um, And when it was time to go, I just remember, like, getting down at their level and just looking at him in the eyes and saying, I just want to thank you for everything. Um, and just to let let you know that I love you. And he, like, he never shared that emotion even to my dad. Him and my dad have never shared that emotion. Mm. And then he broke down crying and then my nan broke down crying and then I broke down crying. And then, you know, it was time to go. Mm. But my mission was accomplished and I got to say, like, the awkward thing to say. Mm. But I got to leave going, hey, if something could happen that I never got to see him again, like... I know that I got to say what I wanted mm. to. And I think, like, that comes from, you know, these journeys and the building and being mm. able to communicate, mm. Mm. being able to communicate more clearly in business and with friends. Um, Connecting with what's important for you, like your purpose, like so yeah. many things that you can say, you know. All, all of these things. Mm-hmm. And um, not it's not for everyone. Oh, actually, that's probably a wrong way to put it. Not everyone is ready for it. Mm. But I think that... 
everyone can Bene- become benefit. Better. benefit yeah. Yeah, 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 and it's one of those things as guys as well. So many guys just won't. We just hold so much in, and I did it for so many years until probably I started working with Theo about a year and a bit ago, a year and a half ago. That you just and you you do want to say something to another guy, whether it be your dad. Your brother, your mate, and you just never, you never go there, and that can actually be a vehicle that allows guys to do it. Which, yeah. like for me, it was obviously for you, it was, and so many guys they put up, we all put up this front, and then we just go through life not actually having these real surface level, you know, relationships with people. Whereas if we actually opened up and the vulnerability, I mean, guys want to be vulnerable with each other, but just need to be able to just break that surface level, yeah, and that's a great tool for it. I agree. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Interesting. Um, in terms of like you, I mean, you, you've so heavily involved in the fitness industry. And speaking of COVID, how do you find COVID changed the fitness industry? <sighs> so funny enough, I, I actually uh, I used to coach a lot of the gym owners and trainers and stuff that were out there. And for us, we would do coaching cohorts about every three months. So you do it about every quarter. And we were about to come up for our next cohort. And um, I think the week before, oh no, two days before we were going to launch the pre-sales, I went, they're going to shut down all the gyms. And I just put a post out and it was, guys, this is what's going to happen. You're going to get shut down. This is what you need to do to protect yourself now. And then I think 15 minutes later they announced it. Mm. Yeah, so that was quite, yeah, that was quite yeah. prophet- prophetic. <laughs> and... Shell and I are like prophet of the fitness industry. Yeah, yeah. I felt like I had to do that shit through there. I was like, listen, this is what you're gonna do. They needed the leader for sure. Yeah, because um, no one, no one was stepping up. Um, yeah, as far as how it changed things, um, now not so much. Um, at the time, it freaked the shit out of everyone, but nobody mm. knew what to do, and of that course. that was part of the problem. Um, we couldn't sell the courses. For us, that was detrimental because that was a significant amount of revenue and we're banking our revenue every quarter as well. Mm. So that throws a spanner in the works. So I just went, um, all right, it is what it is. Um, let's just write it out for the next couple of weeks and see what happens. And then by that stage, I just said to everyone, because I, I understood all the tax and the government kickbacks and stuff mm-hmm. and you know, gym owners didn't really understand anything. Mm. And I was like, listen, my door's open. If anyone wants help with anything, I'm just going to do free. You know, I'll just book in my calendar. I'll do free appointments. So for mm. the two weeks, I just was literally in meetings most of the time, just helping gym owners, establishing what their runway was, what they needed, what their, you know, how, how they could maintain members and how they could do um, like an at-home program and then what the government would give them. So I helped heaps of business owners make a shit ton more money than what they were. Mm. <laughs> through COVID. Mm. So I think that a lot of people, and this this is probably the best way to explain it, but there was a challenge in life and we've spoken about that where you know, just, you know, you get a spanner in the works and you can either go, fuck this, the government sucks, you know, yeah, yeah. cry about it, mm. or you can go, okay, this Speak is the rules that I've got to play by. How can mm. I play the game and how can I win? And the people that learned how to play the game ended up doing better than when they were just bricks and mortar. Mm. And the people that complained and didn't do anything about it and blamed the government um, (coughs) lost a lot uh, through that process. I think that there were gym owners that closed down for Mm. sure and definitely affected businesses, but those people were on the way out anyway. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Anyone who was vulnerable got exposed, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, They wanted to exit. Yeah, yeah. And then this gave them an out. Yeah. And lucky for them, 
equipment prices went through the roof. So I know a whole bunch of them who wanted to get out, business wasn't going well, sold all their equipment. At at premium. At a premium. Probably at a a profit. It was secondhand. 100%. (laughs) And then was able to clear their debts, their leases, whatever there was there, and then walk away and go, okay, I've got a fresh start. Mm. And they're happy now because of that. So I think there was a clearing process. Um, the, obviously there was like the little lockdowns and things that we had, but you know, once things moved out, unless you were a big box gym and like, um, course, yeah. somebody just shut down mm. all your direct debits, most of the direct debits kept on going for all for the sure, boutique yeah. gyms and stuff. So, you know, it was fine. We got used to it eventually. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Three days shut down, one week shut down. It was just. Yeah. I think it happened <laughs> a few times. Yeah. It became yeah. part of life. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. It was true. It was like when though they were the, yeah, the five days and stuff that definitely would have affected it. But outside of that. Well, I think it just made gyms be cleaner. Mm-hmm. Like, mm. wipe yep. down your shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wipe down your stuff. I think mm-hmm. that was it. There was obviously, like, the square meter rulings and stuff. But if you knew how to play the game, then I think that you were okay. And then I look at it now, and the ones that knew how to play, they're doing fine. We're, mm. we're back to normal. We're killing mm. it. It was bad for, like, everyone. But, like, you know, it was a spanner in the works for everyone. But if you've made it through, like, we talk about growth, we talk about yeah, challenges. Yeah, of course. Exactly right. Fuck yeah, you just learned more about business and good on yeah, you. Yeah, exactly right. It literally revealed where everybody was, man, you know. And there's always people that will react and people that will respond. The people that were ready to respond and actually uh, shift, make the changes and all that stuff and adapt to the new, to the mm. crisis, basically. They thrive and then they create such strong foundation that their business is going to fucking skyrocket, like, you know. Yeah. The next two, two to three years, yeah. With every challenge, there's always opportunity. Of course. And some people course. definitely take the opportunity, and they yep. did well with it too. Definitely. And I think you definitely got the, the online um, component of fitness. Yep. Definitely grew in that three years yep. as well. Yep. And, yep. and a lot of people, and I th- sort of see that's where a lot of successful PTs are now. I mean, you're very, very astute in this sort of space. <laughs> and you just see how many people go through fitness colleges and, and things and how many. I'm not sure what's the percentage of ones that even stick around probably past a year. I think ours probably an 80% like, drop off rate yeah, or more. Yeah, it'd be crazy. Yeah. So, and it's almost like it is, and it is, PT is a, is a hard gig to be doing. You know, outside your 20s and 30s, you don't see too many 40-year-old PTs. But the thing is, if someone could really establish themselves as an expert, build a good online brand, mm. they can do well. And they're, and they're not they're not stuck to brick and mortar. Yeah. And they actually can, um, but I mean, that I mean to be a person who can build an online PT business, then you've got to develop some skills not anyone can do that not everyone's got the chops to do that as well you know what i love how everyone's like um sorry i shouldn't say everyone um it's very general (laughs) i love how people think it's so simple to do anything like how many people would go oh yeah i want to open i mean it's this is very niche but like oh i want to open a clinic like you they don't understand everything you've been through like i want to have a page like you or i want to do this i'm like okay cool man saddle up just just even we're talking about earlier even (laughs) we've just started doing this podcast like for an example like we're we're talking about like even just the time just the time involvement it's probably before every guest you have on you got to organize a guest is probably to for a guest you're fairly familiar with probably two hours prep i guess you're not could be four to five hours prep Mm. then you get people in you got to set up set up the room everything that's about an hour do all your audio checks do the podcast, that's another 90 to two hours, clean up, re-put everything back, and then the, I've got an editing team. Yep. So a filming team, then an editing team, and then they edit it. Yep. Then they give it to me, then I view it. Yep. <laughs> then I watch it for, so if it's a 90-minute, two-hour podcast, I watch it from that that yep. period, and then in that I've got to take all my notes and run all my reels, content ideas and all that sort of stuff. That takes okay. about three and a half hours. Yeah, no Yeah, joke. and then after that, then that goes back to the editing team because I've got... Cam- like camera edits, uh, and then someone does will end up doing back end 
uh, optimization, which we yep. haven't started with this yet. So, and then that goes back to them. They do some basic edits on the ideas of the reels, yep. and then I have someone else then that makes them all pretty and then schedules them all. Yeah. And then people go, oh, I'd love to do a podcast, <laughs> and that's not even going into the cost. Yeah, yeah. And there's a serious cost associated. We once you start promoting that, as you know, and doing backhand optimization and things like that, it's a, it's a, and this is just we've just started doing this, and I've understood because yep. I've built a team um, through my you know personal branding and the and and being a Cairo and things like that. So I understand how to how to build the brand, but people looking and go, fuck, I'd really like to do that. It's like, you don't. Yeah. You wouldn't. you got to be built to, like, you've got to have a real strong purpose um, and you've got to have the chops to do it and, and be willing to, and that's, every podcast could be 10 hours to 12 hours work. And if I plan yeah. on doing two a week, it's actually 25 hours a week on top of a guy who does probably 60 to 70 hours a week work. It's, yeah, you got to really, and we can obviously with time make that a bit more efficient, yeah. but it's a lot of lot of time, energy, money, and it's that's something that looks cool to do, but to do it consistently and properly and get good quality people on and prepare and understand, it's a huge amount of work. Yeah, I think like just sticking to it, like sticking, yeah, sticking, yeah, yeah. sticking to anything. Everything's exciting. Um, until you've got to do it for like a decade. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your, yeah. your brown belt now? Yeah. Right? Brown belt? Yeah. Yeah, I think we spoke about it. And yeah. And you were like, yeah, it's one of those things you just got to keep on going. Yeah. You know, you're three times a week. Yeah. yeah. And, and then, you know, 10 years later, you, you become a, you imagine you become a, it's true. And, yeah. and, and that's the thing with, with everything. And this is very, very similar, this space, like, I mean, I guess having like me having a chiropractor, it's different. Like, you know, you come in, you build clients, come in, you get paid immediately. Like, you know, when you're in that, in the branding content creation space or you're trying to build a channel, mm. you don't get anything no. for a while. But you're probably going years where you're just reinvesting, reinvesting time, time, time. And then it won't be till years down the track you hit a tipping point, then it starts moving. Yeah. Yeah. And that that's something that you just, you do not, that's 100% delayed gratification. And that tests you whether you want to be about that life. Because when you start yeah. spending a lot of time and energy, your money into it and it hits a point you're a couple you know we're still quite early into this but like you know you're, you're a couple years in and you're going fuck we've put a lot of money in effort into it tests whether you're about that yeah. you know what I mean and you and 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 you got to one and that the hard thing is you when you know you know like you know the people like you know in business and that you know what you're doing is the right thing yeah but then if people got poor self-awareness like when do they they might not have the chops to make it yeah. And not even most people haven't got the chops to make it, even if they do sort of continue knowing when to pull out, they when don't to. Have a big enough why, bro. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, if you don't have a big enough why, when things get tough and you start getting tested, you're done. You're going to quit straight away. Fuck that. I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. If, you, if it's not your purpose and you're, you don't have a strong wire to keep you going and actually keep, that, keep revisiting that, mm. you're done, like straight away. I saw, for example, because you talked about podcasting. Um, Chris Williamson from mm. Modern Wisdom, he yeah, put yeah. a graph and he showed like he had 50 year anniversary. The first three years, nobody was literally watching the show. Yeah. Three years. Yeah. And he's one of the biggest podcasts. Yeah. He boomed. Can I tell you a story about Chris Williamson? Yeah. yeah. So um, I built a, a dating app and um, we had a marketing agency in London uh, where Chris is from. And um, Chris was actually one of our models. And so he actually did the user-generated content before he popped. For, for before the pod. Yeah. Did he? Yeah. Really? Yeah, really? I've still got videos. I can see it. <laughs> so Chris actually That's did so the user-generated content. He was really close friends with our dude. And um, they're like, yeah, we got a guy. He's in Dubai with me now. We'll get him to do it. And, um, yeah, I'll show you guys the advertisements. And it's Chris Williamson speaking to Jordan Peterson. It's wild. That's so funny. I think with podcasting, going back to that, because we had a, I had a, um, when we did the Perfect Fan podcast, 
Um, I was lucky because I had a database of people and I had mm. a very clear niche. Mm-hmm. So when I did it, we were ranked in the top 30 pretty much all the time because I had that base to start with. Um, and I was, you know, I just hit it and just hit it consistently. Mm. Um, so there was always an episode every week or I'd bump it up to twice a week because I knew that that would pop me into the top 30. Mm. Um but people used to say, same as what you just said, everyone, you know, oh, that looks cool, I want to do it. <laughs> Fuck um, me, man. Yeah, I was like, hey, <laughs> you can do it. Maybe start off with recording with your phone, voice yeah. recorder, whatever you're going to do yeah. it. And if you can do that every week and you can accept that nobody's listening to it and mm. you're just doing it for yourself, then go for it. And mm. then just keep on doing that for years and as you get better then start to get your stuff really better yeah. from there. Because mm-hmm. so many people are like, I can't start till I got all the best stuff. And I'm like, yeah. well, Procrastination means that you yeah. got to stick yeah. to it. Yeah. Like, why don't you just start off recording with your phone if you believe in it so much? Of course. You know what I mean? Um, like, with the bare minimum, just just do it. But accept, you got to be okay doing it for a long fucking time. Oh, yeah. And accept that no one's going to listen to it. Yeah. No and matter what, you have to put that work, man. Of course. And if you sort of see it as a business as well, I mean, long term, in terms of really building a a product from it, like that's, you know, you got to think in like, Almost seven to ten year blocks. Yeah, like you know, not not yeah, yeah. not not my first year one, year two, year three, and that's like nah. The first three years, you're just you're just scratching the surface. Yeah, like like what he probably experienced at year what was he said year five, Chris Williamson, he yeah. he started yeah, like, and that's what happens. Yeah, yeah, you, it's yeah, just yeah, such a flat line. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. such a flat line. And then all of a sudden, boom. Yeah, and you see the. You know, it's one of these things. If you if you focus on improving your craft, you mean your equipment gets better, you, you yeah. run things better. I mean, everything's better. And there's more money to reinvest in the things. So, yeah. um, you know, just have that commitment to getting better in on across the board with it. If you've got the chops to do it and you've got the vision, just you'll get there. there. You'll get there. Yeah, yeah you'll yeah. get there. But that's where self awareness is important as well. Yeah, because if people got no self awareness, <laughs> some people they give going. They're not getting. <laughs> no one gives a fuck what they got to say. You know what I mean? But it's like that's where like. Uh, but the, but the thing is, most of those people, if they've got the no self awareness as well, they're just not going to mind. So you keep doing it for five years. Yeah. they're going to pull out as well. It's only people I think are really you got to be have that true belief in yourself yeah. to be able to actually commit to it, properly commit to it, not do like one every three months, and actually you know do that for five years straight. It doesn't work otherwise. Even like comparing Chris Williamson, Alex Hamosi, who I would mm. say yeah. is the yeah, new yeah. Gary V. Mm. Um, amazing content. You talked about looking for inspiration. I actually think his content some of the best out mm. there. Um, it's just it, it's just real with how he does it. Even he said his podcast he did. I think he's in the sixth year now. And now, like probably twelve months ago, is when it really started to pop. He's mm. like, I did it for six years and it like got nothing. That's yeah. crazy. That's Alex Hamosi. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 delayed gratification. Huge, which is so just opposite to how we're wired these days. Hundred percent, which is crazy. In terms of um, going back to the sort of fitness side of things, with even with things like technology and uh, you know, so there's more online coaches and stuff like that. Where do you sort of see? Where do you reckon the next five years is going to go for the fitness industry? When, when we're talking about um, you know where tech's going, where AI is going, where all these sort of things. Where do where do you sort of feel? Do you feel there's some People they're going to be vulnerable. Do you think there's some people going to, you know, really excel? Or there's going to be new opportunities? Or yeah, definitely. Isn't Chat GBT interesting? Yeah, yeah. 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 That's my partner. Hey? Conversation that's is coming. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy, man. That's something that interests me a lot. So probably about seven years ago, I got into the startup ecosystem, and they were talking about this technology that's now From coming. Back then. 
yeah, from back then, they were like, because we were talking about content and blog posts, and they were mm. like, hey, man, soon you're going to have this um, artificial intelligence that's going to be able to do all your blog posts and SEO for free. You'll just type in a term and it'll do it. Now that that's commercially available, like with um, Jarvis or uh, Jasper, I think it might be called, they might have changed their name, and <coughs> ChatGBT, which has obviously just reached a tipping point and everyone's talking about it, that's real. Like, that's real now. Mm. So that technology is going to come in fitness in some sh- way, shape, or form. I don't know what that actually looks like from a consumer pers- perspective. But um, so I've got a Tesla, and... Driving that makes me look at every other car like it's Neanderthal and like the concept of driving in 15 years is just going to be completely different with autopilot and all of that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, There's something about that technology, but I can't put my finger on it yet. What that's going to do, not just in fitness, but just for our whole society, something will come in where... Uh, that technology will impact we'll disrupt businesses things. and what we yeah. do. There'll yeah, be a yeah. disruption for yeah. sure. As far as like, because I, I get asked this question all the time. Um, if we're talking like the greater fitness industry, what's out there, you do see little pivots. Like, you know, six years ago, um, BJJ wasn't what it is now. Now every man and their dog does BJJ yeah. or MMA or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and after, you know, during COVID, UFC obviously had a tipping point. And there's little shifts. So I think the dispersion of the kinds of things that people are doing is probably changing and people are probably finding activity um, in other areas <clears throat> than rather than just a gym. Obviously, we had, you know, CrossFit come through, that changed things. 24-7 gyms come through, yeah. that changed things, um, which was massively disruptive. Then you had F45 that came through. And in Australia, that was massively disruptive. I don't think there's those opportunities out there at the moment for somebody to come in in that sort of model and be disruptive. What I think is going to happen is let's let's use the F45 model. Um, F45 did their thing. I think that they reached saturation point and then... Um, the, the only change within the industry is your things like your fit stops and your BFTs. Those two are going to compete for that market. Mm. And at the moment, fit stops are going to take over, is my gut mm. feeling. So it won't be the F45. There'll be distribution between those brands yep. and fit stop will probably end up taking the lead. Mm. Um, 24-7 gyms probably had the biggest, like big box gyms, I should say, not 24-7 gyms because they're a very, very old model now. Um, the bigger box gyms that have everything, they're probably the ones that evolved the most over the past five years um, because all of a sudden you had your boutique studios and then they became really popular. But then the bigger box gyms went, well, why don't we just offer more services and be more premium and mm. an all-in-one solution? And now they're really desirable again. Mm, mm. So you see those sort of shifts. As far as technologies and wearables, I just don't see anything disrupting the industry right now. There's a wellness consciousness at the moment and Mm. you see everyone doing ice bars and breath work and Mm. that's gone to a sauna. Sauna, yep. I would probably say that's been the biggest uplift over the past couple of years. Do you reckon a lot of uh, saunas will probably, uh, not a lot of saunas, a lot of uh, gyms will start uh, attaching mini recovery Yes. Business, businesses to, to you know the back end of it like sauna ice bath whatever if but, they but don't giving, but, but keeping it very simple yeah which is more so if they don't yeah. they're dumb yeah yeah 100 yeah. i can tell you from opening a gym which included saunas ice baths yeah and i agree product i agree it literally was a game changer and yeah. if gyms aren't doing that then it's not an expensive to have a setup. Norma to do tech it. boots, yeah, like a yeah. recovery, like yeah. relaxation yeah. zone. If you don't have that, you're behind the yeah. eight ball. As a minimum, hot and cold therapy. 100%. As a minimum. Just even as a minimum, you don't have the space. You don't need 
you need a pretty small space to have a sauna and, and a cold cold setup. Yeah. yeah, you don't need a massive space to set that up. So financially, if you do a hot and cold setup, um, let's say I was to go to a, a sauna place or a sauna ice bath place, it probably mm. cost me between thirty five to fifty dollars for a session. Mm. If I'm in a gym. I can pay $10 a week and I can get the same service, which financially works out for the gym, just purely based on numbers. Yep. Mm. But for me, it's like, oh, would I rather pay $35 to $50 a session mm. or do I just want to pay $10 a week for unlimited? So this is where the big box gyms are going to be able to evolve and take a yep. big part of that market space. Yeah, big time. Yeah. Big time. And um, with with the fitness sort of industry as well, obviously there's there's a bit of a, a darker side to to things <laughs> in, in, in the industry. In in terms of like we Theo and I have always talked about it, how a lot of people, I mean, might numb themselves by alcohol, drugs, you know, food, yeah, porn, whatever it is. But like heaps of people, like they they numb themselves through fitness and they they run away through a lot of pro- I mean fitness is obviously there's a hugely I mean beneficial yeah, part of it yeah. but yeah. I mean there's a difference between you're training for your health and you're just numbing the fuck out of yourself and that's your tool you're punishing to, yourself yeah you're punishing yourself yeah, yeah. and th- and that that's your that's your tool um, you know to, to start to you know get away from reality as well yeah um, I'm just trying to think in like real life so if I break down the fitness industry and let's say I'm going to say athletic and mm. then I'm going to say aesthetic. Yep. Um, I would say that that's probably more common in the aesthetic mm. area mm. of the industry mm. um, because it becomes um, an issue with body positivity. So there's mm. – um, I forget her name, but the the lady who won Australian of the Year this year, so she was a body positivity um, expert. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and then I started getting messages about it because people are like, what do you think of this? This is an outrage. She's encouraging people being fat. And I'm like, I have no idea who it is. So I went down a rabbit hole. And then I looked at her message, and it actually wasn't anything to do with, like, weight or size. It was in to do with, like, acceptance having acceptance. Like yeah, of course, yeah, of course, of course, of course. Because we know from our experiences and the same reason why I've been strong is because it comes from something internal, not external. Mm. Yep. Mm. And if you can fix that problem, then you can go and address the issue. Of course, yeah, yeah. With why you're eating a certain way. On the flip side of that, because when I thought about that, I was um, I, I grew up starting off in the bodybuilding world. I wouldn't go to the beach for seven years, even if I was in amazing shape, because I had gyno which I developed from using gear when I was 19. Um, and that made me feel really, really bad and I was so self-conscious. Mm. I didn't go to the beach because I thought my delts were too big for my chest and I wasn't in perfect symmetry and I was concerned about what people would think. It's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That comes under that. Yeah, Like that body, yeah, yeah, body yeah. positivity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's why I related to it. And I'm like, oh, well, I can experience that. In, you know, I can relate to that, which happened in my life. And I, and I wasn't fat. And so if we're talking about people that do it, I think that that's probably like there's an intrinsic self-worth issue and that's why people would do it. I'm not too aware of people who like just go and do, unless it's like we're talking like Goggins who just goes and runs and that's his whole life. Mm. I don't know anyone who's like that crazy with fitness. Um, I mean, maybe there is and I just haven't picked up in it um, unless they're like a competitive athlete or that's, mm. that's their approach to life and that's what they want to do. So maybe people do that in the athletic size. I think that you've got it to be Cro- a top CrossFit, level athlete. CrossFit is definitely a big one. Yeah, yeah what are your say. thoughts with that, Thea? So, so that's the thing, especially because I work with people, obviously, like with trauma and, you know, with the coaching and everything mm. that I do. 
you actually see uh, so many people, they have so much pain internally, and they actually go and train five, six days a week, work how many hours, party every weekend, they keep repeating the same cycle, and they never actually stop to actually look why they have those behaviors and, and actually reflect the relationship that they have with everything, with their training, with substances, with, you know, even work or pornography, other behaviors. And you actually just see them consistently the same thing. Keep pushing, pushing, pushing dopamine the whole time. But there's no actually uh, time for, for slowing down and reflection and actually mm. doing some internal work because they're seeking everything externally, like that's a thing. And you, you really see it with CrossFit because it's the nature of, of that, the sport and the training also, because it's so intense. And especially like it hits the dopamine system and adrenaline system in such way that you get really addicted and you don't really understand that. Mm-hmm. And you've seen it, I'm pretty sure you've seen it also. How many men and women go there that they have families, you know, they work so much and all the stuff and they keep, doing that and pushing themselves beyond but you see them the nervous system is completely like fried and they're mm-hmm. breaking down but they, they they don't actually have the the self-awareness to really like do something mm-hmm. about about like what's happening inside are you talking about like everyday people training or are you talking about like Every, top everyday level athletes people, everyday people everyday okay people. yeah yeah that's 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 where Ryan also mm. you can you can again that doesn't mean that athletes don't, don't do yeah, that either no. but and, and as well yeah. like as you said it's it's for people who are completely unconscious to it yeah yeah who are, who are yeah, using yeah. that as the vehicle as opposed as opposed as opposed to yeah same yeah. I was the same when I was going through few years ago I mean I used. You know, I used um, fitness was a big one for me, and I went. I was just training and training and training, and training. Got in the best shape of my life, but I knew I was just numbing the fuck out of myself. I was just working and training, yep. and I didn't take time to go back and process things because I actually didn't know how to process things. Because <laughs> because oh, I was, I mean, that was before I did any work with Theo or any coaching. I was completely just typical, you know, bloke that knew just stuff about personal development, but didn't know how actually how to process my emotions at all. And when I was going through shit, I just thought, what can I control? Just, you know, work, the effort of putting the work, the fitness, this sort of stuff. Then you'd end up building things up so bad, then you go out on Saturday night and just go boom, and you get absolutely cool. And then just keep repeating the cycle so and just punishing and punishing and punishing. It's not till, you know, then that, that cycle just went on and on and on for about six months. And then, yeah, it's not till eventually then you start learning. Oh, I'm actually going to fitness yep. just to sort of to run away from this stuff. Yep. You know, you know it's, so I'm not so I'm not actually sitting with myself and processing shit, and then actually deal with deal with the emotions and allow your nervous system. And I was on like fucking crazy stimulants and everything. Just I was like, <laughs> <"Stim-> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. so I was on like mad stims. I mean, and I was, and if people looked at me, they'd be going, "Fuck, man, you're an animal. You're you're fit. You're healthy." And you know, I was like eating eating pretty well. I was on stims. I was like working like an animal. I was training like an animal. And then by the time I was so jacked up on a Saturday, I'd just go and get absolutely mm. obliterated, and that was almost just to get my nervous system back, and I'd be fucked Sunday. Boom, then repeat the cycle, yep. and that's because I was just totally not honouring, or didn't I didn't have the I didn't have the skills myself at that point in time to be able to go. You've actually got some shit that you're running away with, that you're yeah, running yeah. away from, and you don't actually know how to slow down and process things. Because the thing is, if I did at that point in time, now <laughs> with what I know, cut the stims do more healthy amount of sort of fitness and not work like an animal and actually go down, oh, some shit would have 
oh, yeah, really come up they would have had to have dealt with, which is what you need to do. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah. I think that's the thing is that all this stuff's good as long as you, you know, you have that ability to start to process things and realise and have that better relationship with yourself so that when you are doing fitness and testing yourself, it comes from a positive place. Yeah, I think so. Maybe maybe it's because, like, I've done, you know, gone through work and I, and I use it as a point of, okay, this is where I'm at now. And we spoke about harmony earlier and, like, my nights are sort of like that downtime, whether it's, mm. like, that family time. But even once Evie's in bed, it's like I'm, I'm switched off. Like, mentally, I'm switched off 100%. And I feel like just even adding that into my life, which I never used to, um, that helps me maintain that harmony because I do get that period where I get to actually come down from the day. And stay with yourself also, without yeah. distractions, without any external, like, stimuli. Yeah. You know what's something that I do? I water the garden. <laughs> Best form of meditation, bro. Yeah, mm. it sounds so stupid, right? But makes it's sense. actually like a it ritual. It makes sense, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. it's literally a ritual. Yeah, I literally yeah. water the garden, just chill <laughs> out, and that's almost like <laughs> that time. Yeah. You, you start to understand, like, your old man and your granddad. <laughs> yeah, legit, legit, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is why you're doing that shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why the fuck would you be doing this all the time? It's literally yeah. just to get out and yeah, just yeah, be yeah. silent, and it's like my little form of nature yeah. is I'm just watering the garden, and that's yeah, almost yeah. like that little tranquil peace time to myself. 100%. Yeah. But well, that's the thing, like, I, I ask ev- every single of my clients, I will ask them to say that way, tell me how do you spend time with yourself? Not actually sitting down on the couch watching TV or being on the phone or distracting yourself with things, but actually sitting down with yourself. Mm-hmm. And then they, they sit down and they think, <laughs> oh, I actually don't. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, they, they don't. They no. don't. They're always trying to find something externally and distract or themselves just, yeah yeah like a screen or something you know but but they never actually sit with themselves for a moment even even for for a couple of minutes to actually feel and, and see what's happening inside mm. or how they feel they, they mm. never do it man mm. from the moment they wake up they have a, a cup of coffee straight away and by the time they go to bed they are never present with themselves never yeah every single one of them so this is funny because work that Theo and I have done together, and I think I've said it to Shell a few times, and this yeah. might have been around the panic panic attack times. Mm. Um, when I was in startup tech world, I'd wake up at like, because I was excited to do it, I'd wake up at like 4 a.m. and I'd like stim up straight away, straight to my computer. I was excited to do it, right? Mm. And there would be weeks, and I'm not kidding, it would be weeks, and then all of a sudden it would dawn on me, it's like, Oh, I literally haven't switched off. Like I've been nonstop for mm. like three for weeks, so yep. and I've had no perception like of myself for three weeks or anything, and just been so caught up in what I've done. Mm. Like fuck, no wonder you get panic attacks and shit. He's like, <laughs> mm, mm. You yeah. literally don't switch off mm. at all. Yep. Like your nervous system is always yeah. always firing in panic. Yeah, and yeah. and people who get that sort of stuff, you always ask them like a few questions about what's happening with work, what's happening with personal stuff you know what's your caffeine intake like what's your sleep like once you actually do like the audit on them it's like work will be out of control their sleep is normally destabilized Mm. stims will be up all these things it's like once you actually get rid of most of those things most people will stop not everyone but depending on what's causing it but most people once you get your nervous system in check they will you know they won't get them or they won't get them as severe yeah yeah it's hard though man it's hard because the, the the process of actually repairing the nervous system or even regulating the nervous system it's actually lengthy because it took you you know probably decades course, to fuck yourself yeah. up you're not yeah. gonna s- straight away <laughs> repair everything you know by just 
stopping stimulants yeah. and everything. Because remember, you're hijacking your system, you know, f- for so fucking long. Mm-hmm. And you're not allowing your nervous system to, 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 to do that recovery process. So as soon as you actually start removing things and making those shifts in, in your daily habits or the way basically like you operate, you know, it takes time to, to go back to that. And you have to go through the very, very painful initial period. You know, and a lot of people they they, they don't want to do that. They just want to stay in that state, keep pushing, like you know, no matter mm-hmm. what, until they completely break down and they will have to, they will be forced to go there. Mm-hmm. You know, where disease is manifested in the body or all sorts of of problems. Yeah, you know, it's crazy. Yeah. What are your thoughts with um, PEDs or or with steroids in in various sports, particularly? Um, things like you know, you're heavily involved with. I mean, obviously we know it's so prevalent in bodybuilding, yeah. but how prevalent in your mind is it in CrossFit? Yeah, that's an interesting one. Um, At a competitive level, I'm quite. I feel like I'm quite naive to it, right? And yeah. I've used I've used steroids before. Mm. Um, so the last time I used it was 13 years ago. I was 24, 25, um, and I did it non-competitively because I wasn't. I had no desire to compete in anything. Um, it wasn't for a competitive edge. I literally just wanted to know what they did, and I had them prescribed. Um, so you could say I, I took them supervision legally. Um, maybe they do. I would always give people the benefit of the doubt. What about games level athletes? And and the and the level of testing. So it's done with them. Like CrossFit Games level? Mm, CrossFit Games, yeah. I would still like to think that they're not. And then when I look at, let's use Ricky, for example. Mm. So Ricky, uh, he kind of, he cops it. He got thrown under the bus a little bit. And Mm. the reason why I say this, because he got popped for an over-the-counter psalm. Mm. And at the time that he got popped, you could buy that in a supplement store over-the-counter. I know that there were people in this state that were selling it over-the-counter, potentially selling it to CrossFitters. Um, But Ricky doesn't seem like the smartest individual I've ever met in my life. And the benefit of the doubt is... He probably went to a supplement store and they said, hey, man, this is it. And then he probably thought, oh, well, it's over the counter. Of course. Buy yeah, it. Especially if they suggest you and they tell you, like, it's going to help your performance, you're going to yeah. get stronger, faster. Like, You'd naturally just think to some people that, yeah, 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 you wouldn't have anything tainted. Yeah. That haven't, yeah, that are not is exposed to all this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I I, um, I like to give, because keep in mind, I, I know a lot of them as well. And... Um, uh, the ones that I know, I would say definitely don't. And so, at what at what at what length do you draw the line? Yep. Um, in saying that, they could maybe maybe I'm just like mm. wishing the best in people. Um, one of my friends who's very very against, or I shouldn't say that, someone that I know who's very very against PEDs, very openly against it. Um, I saw have an IV. <coughs> Didn't know it was banned. Literally didn't know. I messaged him about it. And, I'm not, and I know because I got in trouble for having yeah. an IV as a sponsor at an event. I didn't know it was banned until mm. I got picked up by Sports Integrity and I went, okay, mm-hmm. my bad. I wasn't aware. Mm. They probably should have told me, but they didn't mm. even tell me. Mm. Um, and this person had an IV infusion. And I said, you know that's banned inside and outside of comp, right? And I actually sent him it. And he's like, oh, dude, I had no idea. He put a photo online. He could get popped for that. Mm-hmm. Didn't mm. even know. Um, so I think there's a little bit of that. I would like to think that people don't. In saying that, it, everyone could be doing yeah. it, and at some stage, there's this level of, oh well, everyone's doing it, so I'm going to. Like with cycling back in the day, yeah, yeah, everyone was everyone back oh. then. Everyone was 
baseball back in the day. Yeah. All the, all these sorts of sports. And I think sometimes even you look at it and you look at the list of what they call PEDs and sometimes there's probably some that you think they probably could take. Yeah. You know, they're very entry-level sort of things that are yeah. – they're pretty minimal. Like yeah. there might be a bit of help with a bit of recovery and things like – then there's things that are really significantly – can damage the body and, and ha- enhance performance yeah. in a way that's not that you don't want on a, on a bigger scale. A whole heap of people sort of engaging with, yeah. 100%. But um, but yeah, but definitely because things like CrossFit, particularly because and probably like bit like MMA as well, because they're so fucking hard on the body and use so many different. You know, I mean, CrossFit's yeah, they're training two, three times a day. Yeah. You know, and then it's the gymnastics, the powerlifting, the conditioning, the weight training, and then same with MMA. You got wrestling, jujitsu. Muay Thai, boxing, and the mount, and then strength and conditioning. It's so hard to for the body to recover. Yeah, like sure. w- without being natural, it's such a such an art that that's why. Um, but you mean definitely testing. I think in as far as I know, in you mean in UFC is probably a bit stricter than. Hundred percent. Yeah. So CrossFit yeah, uses cross their own third party yeah, testing, so yeah, they still so. maintain um, control over mm. their results. Yeah. I, I believe that was the case. I'm, I'm, I believe that's still the case. Yeah. Whereas once you assign over to WADA or SADA or whatever your local sports integrity body is, then it's really tough. I'm involved mm. in Olympic weightlifting. They use my office as well. Sports integrity use my office when we've got a, like national events here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, I can't have anything in that office. Hey, they're <laughs> like, get it out. You're not allowed in. This is basically our spot now, and they'll just like pull people in mm. um, and go through a very stringent process being around those people uh, quite a bit and I'm like okay well nobody here uses it in saying that in things that I'm part of but not like super aware of maybe there's a whole underground culture which is swept under the rug and mm. it's just very mm. very much kept quiet that I don't know about mm. um, but I still go back to I always maybe it's innocent till proven guilty um, but I don't think about it I just like to think that most people are just good honest people and call it naive but yeah. i would like to think that what about um you know have, i mean whether in some sports for example baseball cycling <laughs> running running that like you know you're not think you can you can you know definitely performance enhance and you're not hurting you're not hurting another opponent as yeah. opposed to mma wrestling you know american football that's like you 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 mean you, you get enhanced you can fuck someone up yeah. and that can be a difference between you you know completely change someone else's life do you feel across the board they should be banned or do you think some sports maybe go fuck it you know let, let them I mean they're not they're not hurting anyone else and you know as long as there's you know what I mean versus like a contact sport yeah I don't know like yes I man imagine if Olympic weightlifting wasn't in the Olympics and they just said go for oh. it boys just go for <laughs> it they should yeah, yeah. Could you, or if they had like a super league yeah. of like weight, like powerlifting you got yeah. your yeah, tested yeah, not yeah. tested if they just said we're just going to have a super league of weightlifting we're going to have drum and bass music and lights and <laughs> you know everyone's going to lift 300 kilos go for it but it'll get sh- a lot of eyeballs yeah, oh, yeah. that's the thing yeah but like cycling Look at what happened in the results with Olympic weightlifting. I think yep. like eight of the top thirteen in a certain weight class all got popped like mm. eleven years later after mm. the results. Like, mm. so I don't, I don't know. Um, I always like to think the best, but I could be completely naive mm-hmm. as well, and I accept that as well. So I just enjoy it. Yeah. And whatever yeah. happens, if, if guys get popped, they get popped. Yeah. Um, in terms of like, I guess using. PDs for influencers um, the, the, the who who might be marketing <laughs> marketing themselves as their natural promoting products. Okay, we'll just go with Liver King. <laughs> it's yeah. but I mean, in, on, I mean, you're very That's heavily so induced, yeah. heavily involved. So with the um, you know the social world? media world and yeah. that sort of thing. And one thing is, if you take it. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, if you take it, you take it. Yeah. But if people are, I guess, uh, misleading people, 
you're heavily misleading them to buy products, etc. Like a liver king. What's your take on that? I know, I know you're going to go down for this one. I found him so entertaining. Yeah, he is. So when he came out, I just people would get so polarized by him. I just found him so entertaining with how he blew up and just from a marketing and personal perspective, yeah, yeah. I'm like, mate, whatever this guy is done, fuck, give me some liver. Um, but what's funny about that? is it got to a point where even, think about it, I'm around for 20 years, right? Um, take out the athlete stuff and I like to mm. think the best of people, you know, you see someone online, you know, nutty or not, whatever, I don't even care. I assume, mm. you know, mm. it doesn't matter to me. But then I saw him and he was so clearly on steroids, right? <laughs> It, How old was he? He's about 40, 45? Yeah, I think so. About 40, yeah, yeah, 40, And like it was 40, CEO, so he'd, with companies, so he'd, he'd be a, like a high yeah, yeah, yeah. pressure, high workload guy, not a guy just you would chilling, think. sleeping talk, yeah, yeah. You know, 10 hours a day with time to train three times but a day. But, but not on his ancestral tenants. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so anyway, it was so funny because he kept on saying he's natty and I'm just saying, so I'm like, good. this is hilarious. And then I got to a point where I said to Shaw, I said to my wife, I'm like, you know, I'm just looking at his size and looking at his arms. Maybe he's natty. Maybe he's just a genetic anomaly. <laughs> His certainty was convincing. <laughs> yeah, to a point where I consumed it so much. And nah, I'm like, nah, maybe. But obvious, then yeah. as soon as it came out, I was like, yeah, no shit. Um, I don't know. I think I don't get caught up in the natty or not stuff. Um, what do I think? You know what my, my honest answer is? I'm 38 years old. I'm not a 20-year-old kid who's amped up by these people. Um, I'm beyond the level of giving a fuck about an influencer. Yeah. Yeah. They, they don't have that capacity to influence you. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, yeah. Like but it's if, probably if more the younger. Expo, it doesn't mean, it's, it's a dude. Of course, exactly. Yeah. Right. But it's probably more the, the, young the 16, 15-year-olds to 23-year-olds. Cool. So, story, so topic on that then, Andrew Tate. Well, I was just going to say the two best marketers of 2022, Liver King and Tate. Yeah, I love They Andrew dominate. Tate. Yeah. I fucking love I thought he was so entertaining. Not even yeah. talking about his content. I'm literally talking about personal brand, yeah, appreciating yeah, yeah. the marketing. Yeah. I'm a 38 year old. Well, I keep saying 38, I'm still 37. But I'm an almost 40 year old man. <laughs> I could appreciate the humor in it and mm. take out what you need the to. junk. Yeah, 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 of course. And of just course. go, dude's got some valid points. It expresses it in a very strange way. Which is marketing. Don't agree yeah. with all of it. Yeah, knows yeah. how to get reach. Don't yeah. agree with all of it, but he does have some valid points for sure. And whatever he's done to the algorithms to be more searched than Joe Rogan, Logan Paul, Jake Paul, and Hasbullah all put together, which in, is in the a six-month window. Data. Yes. Yeah. I'm like, genius. And then I was like, why does everyone care? And then it, I thought about it because then I started speaking to like my barber if they were like in their early 20s. And they're mm -hmm. like, bro, you look like Andrew Tate. Well, my beard was a bit shorter. <laughs> oh, no, you know what it was? He leaned Vol over. Vulcan yeah, Andrew, Andrew Tate. Tate. <laughs> he leaned or oh, Johnny Sins. It's one of the three. <laughs> Literally. It's one of the three. <laughs> they tried to call me Johnny Sins. I'm like, I've been calling him like 20 times in my car videos. Was, was that on TikTok? Yeah. Dude. Yeah. Yeah, TikTok's the, the savages yeah, for, for Johnny Sin's comments. They're, they're the worst. They are. <laughs> Insta Instagram, like Facebook is just gentle. Yeah. Instagram's pretty entry level. TikTok just... They go ham. They go fucking ham. So the barber's <laughs> like looked... And, he, and you could, I could tell he wanted to say something. I think he was 18. And so, you know, he just started his job. And he's like, hey, bro, you ever heard of Andrew Tate? And I just like laughed. I'm like, yeah, bro, I get it. I look like Andrew Tate. Um, anyway, so going back to like the guys that are like, let's say 18 to 25 who don't have self-awareness, who get influenced course, by a lot of course, people yeah. because they just, um, 
uh, they're not sure who they are as people yet and then they see this stuff and they take it literally. That's when I stopped because I started seeing younger guys and taking it literally and that's when I went, oh, that's how this is dangerous because some people are yep. not mentally yep. developed mm. for no, it. No, definitely uh, not. Yeah. And they prey on these people, that's the problem, like all of them. Do you reckon he did intentionally though? A hundred percent. Yeah, he could have. Because, they, because that's the thing, they are very intelligent and they understand how things work. So they, they, they have a... Um, like a system and, and that the they create and all the stuff and it's all based how we're going to get the young people because that's unfortunately the, the people that they watch mostly the content. Yeah. Same with Logan Paul, same with Liver King, same with all of them. Yeah. And it is very dangerous because there's all these young men that they're seeking for, for a healthy role model yeah. and that's <laughs> that's what that comes up. Mm. Did you guys have that? Like when you were growing up? Did you have like, no. when you were young, did you have a role model? It's like athletes. So yours was athletes. Yeah, that you sort athletes. of envisioned yourself yeah, as an adult mold. Athletes, yeah. It's okay. For me, it was my dad. Oh, really? <laughs> Legit. Legit. Wow. Legit. Yeah, I, I, I guess we don't hear that much. But that, but that's that's the thing. Like especially for me, it's so triggering because I grew up and I never actually like had pedestalized anyone. I remember like people. Um, you know, going nuts about Michael Jackson and this and that and passing mm. out. And I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with people? Yeah. From back then, like when I was really young. And I never had that. Yeah. You know, and I, I actually understand now because I, I had a, a dad that really showed me and gave me like very important like um, uh, uh, like values and morals and all that stuff. So I was never, I was never searching for that yeah. outside, you know. And, and that's the thing. That's why I feel it's so dangerous at the moment because, mm. like, young people are so confused, lost, suffer with so many, even even mental health problems and all that stuff. And then you have, like, all these individuals that they basically prey on them so they can become someone yeah. and creates, like, massive, massive dangers. It's pretty wild. I wonder if that's a culture thing. So one time um, in a journey... Um, <laughs> I remember looking in the mirror. You know how you see yourself differently, like in the mirror? I don't know if you guys are ever looking. <laughs> yeah, 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 you see yourself differently. And then all of a sudden I realised, I kind of saw my face in these different fragmentations. And it, my vision became all the people I looked up to growing up and people that I wouldn't expect, like like you said, like certain athletes mm. yep. and um, just people within my life and, you know, just people that I looked up to. And I'm like, oh... Your segmentations of all of these people that, like, they've all had an impact in your life and somehow that's developed your character. Um, so it was funny with the athletes thing. Um, and this is like, you know, people going back to when I was like 10 years old who I looked up to as mm. athletes. I'm like, oh, there's a little bit of that in you because you, you appreciated that. When I was in high school, so I was um, I was a baseballer, but I was also equally a musician. And, and Hans No, not that. No. <laughs> we talk, yeah, okay, out of from scale of zero to Barry Bonds. Yeah. Really? <laughs> no. At least today. That was, that was the, this was my first experience with water, actually. Yeah. Um, so when I was, because really? I was, I was, I mean, I went to nationals, and so that's when we started getting tested. And oh, by the way, I'm 12 or 13 years old at this mm. stage, and we got our drug testing book. So, you know, we had to learn about the drug testing rules. I started smoking bongs at school at this stage. <laughs> so all of a sudden, I've actually called up on the phones with the little curly wire as a kid whose voice hadn't dropped yet, asking him if it was okay in my sport to be able to smoke marijuana. And I had to get approval like to understand it was okay because I knew if I got tested, there would have been weight in my system. Mm. But anyway, going back to that sort of story. So I did those two things. Um, and then I got really into music. But... Um, talking about when you're young and your influence because you don't know yourself. So Daniel Johns from Silverchair was mm, my mm. dude. 
and I had the same long blonde hair with the curly black um, <laughs> bleached. And this is why I connected that Andrew Tate to younger people because I didn't know myself. I used to wear the same clothes. Yep. I used to have the same guitar. I used to have the same thing because mm. I didn't know who I was. So that's sort of who I became. I went vegetarian because he was vegan when I was 13 till I was 16 because I'm like, well, Daniel Johns does it. Before I've it was a thing. Got to yeah, do it. Yeah, 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 well before it was a thing. Yeah, and yeah. then because he was really skinny, my goal was to become as skinny as possible. So I just wouldn't eat. And I literally tried to get as skinny as I could. And I think I was like, um, you know, 52 kilos or something sure. because I thought, oh, well, that's the goal. I want to be as skinny as possible. So going back to Andrew Tate, like that's when I clicked, oh, these younger people really emulate that yep. because they don't have that mm-hmm. like self-awareness yet. Yeah, yeah, 100%. 100%. Just quick firing a few random topics. Um, <laughs> things like what's your, what's your thoughts about participation trophies? <laughs> I think it's stupid. <laughs> do you think that's dangerous? Yeah, I, I, I don't, don't know. I, I do. I think it's pointless. Like, I you said we. we I think we, it creates we a dangerous mindset. I agree. Yeah. We, we we grow up playing sport, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're competitive people. Of course. That's part of the journey. It's part like of feedback. It's a yeah. Winning, yeah. winning and losing. Yeah. You're shit. You get feedback. And what do you do you with the better. feedback? You, you you should make changes. Yeah. If you don't, you'll still be shit. I don't yeah, understand just by making people feel about I don't know. It's such a strange concept to me because oh, that's the thrill man. and the agony. I remember yeah, winning grand finals yeah. and it yeah. was the most exhilarating oh, thing in my yeah. life. I remember winning MVPs yeah. and the pride that you get because you're the elite of the elite. Mm. Um, you know, I remember losing and that helps you deal with life oh, too. 100%. You'll fucking lose. Of course. It's fine. Because the thing is, if you're not getting that, and I find like things like, you know, call it, say, sports as a, as a youngster, that teaches you how to deal with winning and losing and feedback and improvement and pain and, you know, and, and, and the joy of winning and things like that. So because as you become an adult, that's what that's what life is. 100%. And if you don't have those tools, once you once you get fed to the real world, the real world doesn't give a fuck yeah. about, you, about your feelings. Alive. You're going to get eaten alive. And that's what's going to happen to probably this next... So you yeah, know what my concern with this is, massively? So if we look at <laughs> America yeah, mm. and you see the change of culture, and maybe we only uh, see certain things in the media, but maybe the country, because obviously that's an ally of us and mm. how we're surrounded and you see the shifts and, you know, they um, normally lead Russia, the shift, Ukraine, yeah. all of this stuff and, mm. um, you know, China and all of... China runs, uh, is what appears to us like such a well machine, like all, you know... There's not the distraction like what we see happening in our countries with all of the noise and participation medals and all of this stuff that doesn't really bring a country forward. No. And at some point, when does the pendulum switch where, you know, when needed? Oh, what's Jordan Peterson's thing? Hard times create strong men, strong men create good times good, good times, times create, create weak men weak men create hard times, times. yeah mm-hmm. yeah and i think about that that's actually the quote that's yep. in that's on so i got my notes that i do every day that's the quote that's up the top and every yeah. day i look at it and that's that's real and it's pretty obvious what phase of the cycle we're in i agree yeah yeah, 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 yeah. that's my concern yeah it was just where the pipeline's gonna yeah create that's, some hard times yeah so to do with participation medals that's my concern with it definitely yeah. i'm the same and um, what about things like in terms of like different generations, when we talk about like, like the baby boomers and the millennials, because we're all probably older millennials, yeah. um, in terms of who do you feel had it easier or harder? Okay, let's talk about um, even uh, building wealth 
or oh, career, career wealth, um, all that sort of stuff. Oh, we have it easier. You think so? Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. For the average person. Oh yeah, hundred percent. We've I, got it. We've got it easier. When I when I easier might be not the wrong terminology. Options. Yeah. Options. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we got more options. Yes. You Opportunities. Make, yeah, you can but make I'm talking money about like hundred thousand. Do you ways, feel? Like, do you feel the average the average person um, they can build a like a real estate portfolio like an average person could have thirty years ago? No, but you can use a different channel. Look at yeah. like opportunities yeah. with crypto and yeah. the accessibility and kids yeah, yeah. can yeah. go and make money. Yeah, yeah. Um, becoming a creator. Uh, you can be in control of your life a lot more now. I think my dad's era was, you, well, because I grew up in Canberra, yeah. so I might have a different perception. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, yeah, Greece, yeah, yeah. you might have a yeah, different yeah. perception. Mm-hmm. My family and all of my extended family, like my uncles and everyone, it was you work in the public service. Mm. You're going to work there for 40 years. Mm. You've got to go up your levels. If you choose, if you don't want to make it too hard, you can still Just stay in your really level. Comfortable. Yeah, yeah. You're going to get a sweet super yeah. fund yeah. and then you're going to go move to the coast. My parents yeah. lived the, the Canberra dream, yeah. which is why I moved to Perth because yeah, exactly. I was like, that's not me. Of course. Um, our grandparents, I think, had it tougher. Oh, mine, because um, uh, mine were farmers and they're, they're just like hard people, mm. like tough life. Um, they had it harder. I believe that we have it easier with more opportunity if you're willing to take it. Yes, I agree. Yeah. I reckon for the, for the top, for the right people, the right mindset who are uh, getting after it, it's easier now. Yeah. But I'm talking average person. Average person isn't the right person with the right mindset. The average person will get stuck into you know, a lot of traps. And, and I feel like for the average person, I mean, you think what, we, what the average person earns these days compared to the cost of living, yeah. there's less. There's less of, less of a gap to start... Yeah, if someone's, I guess someone's not savvy with investing, like, because I mean, a lot of people, if people aren't savvy these days versus not savvy in the old days, I I feel like they had greater um, discipline, whereas they could, you know, they didn't have an instant gratification like we do. Yeah. But we're we're getting pulled apart. I mean, for the phone just fucks everyone up. Yeah. And the the pressure and the demands of lifestyle. I mean, you can't, you know, even as a man these days, I mean, you can't um, get away with the stuff like our old men did in terms of how simple they treat their partners. Oh, they're, 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 you know, if, 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 you, if guys treated, you know, if we treated our partners that simple and made that little, you know, um, didn't take them out, didn't take them on holidays, didn't do different things, you know what I mean? There's a lot more expectation on, yeah. on men and on women. I yeah. mean, women are got to be a certain way, guys got to be a certain way. So, I mean, there's more, I guess there's less disposable, you know, for the average, for the average person. Whereas yeah. there's more options for those people who are willing to work. And I think there's definitely way more options these days, but I think for your average person... Do you hang out with many average people? Like, sorry, we should. The average person is like such a broad thing. I know, I know. Yeah, I mean, when I'm saying average, I mean probably uh, whatever. Let's let's call it average. For this, this is a financial yep. conversation. Even just average financial. Uh, what's the average person making in Australia? Average guy. What do they make? Was it 70, 80, 80, 70 k? Yeah, for someone on seventy five k. Uh, it's less than that. You're is it? Yeah. I think it yeah. used to be 50. I, when yeah, I, when yeah, I think... It's about 70 or so. When I think, I think average, if we say Jen Polpo, however we want to say it, I would probably term that less directly to do with finance and more directly to do with choice of living. So do, they, do they enjoy their job? Like, is that what they want to do? Yeah. I think, like, that's almost the biggest wealth in itself is, hey, man, I do what I want to do. Like, I get to live my dream. And I think when you build on top of that and you take the risk being a creator, um, you know, doing um, 
uh, doing your coaching and your healing, you know, mm. being a Cairo and doing things like this. Hey, man, I get to do what I love. I think that's the biggest thing. And if people don't get to do that, I think that they live in a prison. So when I say mm. average, that's my thing. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah. I agree. I don't yeah. know people that I are in my circle that are within that. Well, that's the other thing. Is it's yeah. within, within your circle? That's what's. I mean, I mean, yeah, we yeah. all have different circles, but uh, yeah, I try to just generalize. It's it's, it's very loose. Yeah, sort of. But uh, I'd like to know. I'd like to ask questions. So one of my things this year, and and this sort of comes back to, I grew up. I've grown up in the fitness industry. My perception was it's not like early two thousands where you know there's not a twenty four seven gym on every corner. Um, that you know everyone does fitness and now everyone knows about protein. And um, then I realized that less than 18% of the population change. And then I, mm. I train. And then I realized, oh, my view of the world is so skewed because I'm surrounded by fitness people all the time. But there's this whole world. Exactly so I would right. like to exactly know. Right. And actually, hey, man, yep. do you love your life? Do you enjoy your life? Do mm. you enjoy what you do? Mm. What, if you don't, oh, okay, so, you know, how do you feel? Mm. I'd, I'd like to know that shit. Because when you do surround yourself with people with similar values, aspirations, those sort of things you do, it's hard to, you know, be well-grounded with understanding how everyone feels. For sure. Yeah, because, I mean, you got such, you do have such a – like what you said, you got such a – you think the average person's really fit and they're all into this, and then you see what well, <laughs> the gen, real gender pops like, you know, oh, shit, that's – Actually, not that fair. I'm just in a demographic that's that's like that. 100%. Um, in terms of your take on, I mean, we're both pretty heavily involved with social media. Do you feel like social media can be a bad thing? Yeah, 100%. yeah, especially when like you remove the fact that you know, you know, we both have like business involvement with it. If you remove remove that, say if you don't have any sort of business involvement with it, uh, it's just purely for personal use. Do you think it's uh, a bad thing? One of the most addictive things that are in the world today. Hundred percent, it rewires your brain. Um, one of our journeys that was actually um, part of my – this is like after the panic attacks and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't ready because I know how challenging going through a journey is. Um, and this one was extensively long. And um, when I was ready, I did it. And it was to address my – I guess the traumas from having the panic attacks and just trying to understand it. So as I went through that journey and got unwrapped and, you know, you become – you know, before you're ready to get worked on, you've got to basically get your ego removed – and then as I started to do the work, it was like a filing cabinet of my thoughts. Mm. Um, and they were just one after the other. And I'm like, oh, this is how you're, I'm seeing how your brain works and why you get panic attacks because there's so much going, sorry, there's so much going on at any given time. Mm. And they talk about people when their brains are like, you know, a browser with like 20 tabs open. Well, mine was like a browser with 20 tabs open, which were all loading at the same time. Mm. And I'm like, oh, no wonder you're in a state of panic because you're always like having all of these things going at any given time. Um, and that's, you know, your brain's not meant to work like that with that mm. much information and data mm. flowing through. It's just, it's just not. And you reached a point where it, it just broke you. And then I got to see, oh, you're wired like that because of this, mm. because of my phone. And I'm so used to going like this and data and notification and all of this mm. stuff. And I'm like, oh, that actually changed how your brain works. Your brain chemistry, yeah. And you need to rewire that. Mm. So I actually don't use social media that much personally anymore. Like I'll do the post, I'll do what I need to. Um, and then I try to put it down. I've seen people, um, even my wife, for instance. So she's a perfect example. She's a mum now. You guys see a mum on social media with oh, her mum friends? 
<laughs> it's fucking wild dude. It's wild They all communicate They get in their groups They see their friends They get happy They get jealous They get Oh their daughter's doing this The envy and the comparison this. Is just another Everything, level Everything yeah. bro I've yeah, actually yeah. had to say And then they get upset About certain things Or I'm not doing this right You know that sort of stuff I'm like why don't you stop looking at mum stuff? Yeah. yeah. That's a good start because every night you have to sit there and you have to go through your phone and you're saying, well, this is my down and relax, relaxing time. Yeah, no. like, yeah, I don't know if that's helping the problem, eh? Mm. Yeah, no. So, yeah, and that's that's like a – I've seen that because I was always the one addicted to my phone now, so if it's on the other side. Mm, mm. So, yeah, I think it's the most addictive thing and I think it's more damaging than good, but there's also opportunity out of it. Big time. Big time. Yeah. I guess it's just the, having the discipline, self-control to limit it. Yeah. Which is the hard part. 100%. Because th- these things, the guys who develop these programs, they're the smartest minds. They know, bro. Yeah. They know. When you develop up and you <laughs> yeah. know uh, that you're <laughs> literally doing a dopey machine. Yeah, they're, the, they're, yeah, they're yeah. the brightest brains in the world. First day match, first day message, bro. you yeah. got to hook them in. <laughs> and finally, mate, what's the, what's the, I guess, the legacy that you want to leave? Yeah, this is a really, really good one. Um, and I'd like to be clear on it. Um... I think all the journeys that I've done, when I was 30 years old, I was sort of at a crossroad. I didn't know what I want to do. And it was, uh, I went away for my birthday and um, I went to Fiji. And that time that I had there was just that chance to not be around anyone and really kind of reflect. And that's when I'm like, man, you love, because I tried some different things, but I was always in sort of in the fitness world. I'm like, man, this is what you love. Like, this is your thing. You need to dedicate your life to that. Um, And then I did. And then like started to blow up from there. Then I started to enter these different stages as we discussed where I was like, oh, I'm not the up-and-comer. I've done some shit and I've got some experience. And now it's sort of funneling down to, um, uh, I guess, to the to the younger people in the industry and I get to sew into them. So I've probably got a certain period left uh, to be relevant until I will evolve again. Um, mm. And then that will change and I'm not sure what that will look like, but that will change. But the legacy that I want to leave is someone who had uh, such a positive influence on the fitness industry in Perth. I actually don't care about outside of Perth. Like, mm. people think about growth and expand. I actually, I actually don't give a fuck. If I can, like, make such a positive impact in Perth, which makes Perth, um, you know, the benchmark of being known around the world as the fittest city. So most people who are active, who live a healthy and fitness lifestyle and the positive impact that that can have um, as a legacy, then I'll be like, cool. You've made, you've made your impact. Like, you've actually made a dent in your city um, and you've inspired the industry to be better. You've helped businesses to grow um, and you've inspired 2 million people to take mm. up some form of healthy and active living. That's an awesome why. <laughs> it is. It's a lot of work in that, but I know you're there ready is. for it. And <laughs> evolution. So, man, thank you for coming along today and being Pleasure. vulnerable, opening up. I mean, we've we've all known each other for a while, and it's been great to see your journey as well from when I first met you. I mean, um, you're in business as a father and just everything that you're involving. So, congratulations on the journey and the uh, and the future moving forward. You too. Awesome. awesome. Thank you, bro. Thanks, Chance. <laughs> <laughs>